1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: This is the Carriker and Smallman podcast powered by I Promise. Now here's Carriker and Smallman.
2: Guess what day it is? A-p-t-a- Good morning, everyone. Happy hump day. Carricker and Spalman on 101 ESPN, 7 o'clock, 701 now. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I'm Randy Carricker. Michelle Smallman. good morning.
3: Good morning, Randy. It's kind of a gloomy morning on this hump day, but Cardinals have a victory, so Cardinals, it's good.
2: Cardinals are hot, hot, hot. They're on fire, so they're kind of like the sun, so they're going to brighten everybody's day.
3: They've won four out of their last five. The starting pitching looks great, and Carlos Martinez getting his first win as a starter since 2018. So they are the sun right now.
2: It has. Has been a minute and oh by the way I was looking at this earlier this morning the Kansas City Royals have the best record in baseball there are a lot of teams bunched near the top the Cardinals only two and a half games out of the best record in baseball behind Kansas City but it's pretty funny uh, that the Royals have a percentage points lead but in terms of just being in first place as the standings Royals Dodgers A's Red Sox Giants all tied for best record in baseball wow yeah kind of a weird group, huh? Yeah, bizarre. Who who thinks the Royals are going to be there? Who thinks the A's are going to be there? Who thinks the Giants are going to be there? But they all are.
3: Not me, but here we are.
2: And your Cardinals are 12 and 11 now after a dominant performance by Carlos Martinez. His first win as a starter since July 7th of 2018 at San Francisco, as Michelle noted. And now Martinez has a win under his belt. He allowed only two hits in his seven and a third. He allowed one run. He walked two and struck out four. And, Michelle, one of the cool things about it is, is that last night, Carlos did something that I haven't seen in three years. He handled adversity. Fourth inning, the, uh, nobody out. The Phillies get their lead runner on because Justin Williams drops the ball in right field. J.G. Real Muto ends up at second. Carlos tries to pick him off at second. Throws maybe 25 feet wide. It was unbelievable how bad the throw was. Real Muto moves to third. You're thinking, okay, this is going to spiral out of control. Mm-hmm. And the body language was there. We've seen it before with Carlos. Yes. But he's able to get out of it. And the Cardinals lead 3-2 after the inning, and they never are tied or headed.
3: I wonder what that does for him from a confidence standpoint, to be able to move past something like that and not lose his cool. I'm sure if if you're Mike Schultz or a member of the coaching staff, that you go to him afterwards, if you're Mike Maddox, and you use that as a teachable moment, you didn't overreact you you made sure to keep your composure and look at the results
2: so skipper Mike Schild, what did it mean that Carlos was able to get out of that jam yeah he's,
4: he's got the reset button going you know didn't make a play him and Paulie ran a little time and deal and, and uh, which it, it's fine I love the aggressiveness looking for an out didn't work but that's okay I like like I said I like the aggressiveness and then you know re- reset the trap and was able to make make pitches and didn't make it bigger than it was and uh, held him right there. So he was was really tremendous tonight.
2: I don't know that this is overall maturity. I think when you reach 28, 29, 30, you're probably as mature as you're going to get. But there is such thing as athletic maturity. Mm -hmm. And maybe that has, and by the way, Carlos used to have that. Maybe it's returned for him. And maybe it's just a matter of confidence.
3: Explain athletic maturity to me.
2: Athletic maturity is the ability to handle adversity and act like nothing did happen. And perform like nothing did happen. Athletic immaturity is, here we go again. Like we're seeing with the Blues many times. That's athletic immaturity. It's, okay, one bad thing happened, so a second bad thing has to happen. Athletic maturity, the essence of athletic maturity was... Chris Carpenter, alright? Yes, okay. Something bad would happen and he would look exactly the same and he would go out and attack exactly the same as he did before the bad thing happened and he would limit the damage. Carlos in the past has limited damage but it seems like over the last several years when an error would happen or when he would get a bad call and there somebody would walk, his body language he would slump over and then all of a sudden it, it just looked, he kind of looked like a kid on a 6th grade little league team where okay I'm just going to throw it but and I don't care where it's going I I'm, I'm upset and I'm just going to deal with it this way rather than deal with it in a professional straightforward attacking manner
3: so it's having a short memory Bingo. and also controlling the the controllable factors and
2: controlling your emotions
3: yes so a lot of golfers have athletic maturity.
2: Yes, and a lot of golfers don't, as I raise my <laughs> Mine hand. Mine too. Mine is in the air. I don't know if I'd
3: even call myself a golfer. That's how low my athletic maturity is when it comes to golf.
2: Yeah, so, but yeah, there's, that's the perfect analogy because the golfer that yells the expletive after the bad shot then moves up to the next shot and he's still thinking about the last shot. That's what we're talking about. And the ability to separate and move on is difficult. But important.
3: And I do think that at some point, Carlos Martinez either had to get here from an athletic maturity standpoint or it was going to be done for him. Mm -hmm. The talent has always been there. That's the thing that keeps us hoping and, and wishing that Carlos Martinez is going to be that guy for the Cardinals. That's why there's been so many conversations about him moving back into the rotation because the talent is there. But as you coined it, the athletic maturity was always the big question mark.
2: And let's throw one other thing in here with Carlos. And that is... His year this year is the perfect example of what we're talking about, allowing the six runs in an inning in Philadelphia. And there was another inning where he allowed four, where things just got away from him. And you say, okay, okay, performance. Like in Philly, he had four perfect innings, and then the one where he allowed six. That was an example of athletic immaturity and letting things get away. Could have been that way last night. It wasn't, and the Cardinals win the game 5-2. to And Carlos kind of feeling it.
4: I think think, the tsunami is coming again.
3: Mike Schilt added on to that and said it's coming ashore, and I love Carlos Martinez getting his Jordan Bennington, Bennington on. <laughs> We're coming. The tsunami is coming. But yeah. you know what? That does come with athletic maturity. Is that confidence in yourself and that chip on your shoulder that I I'm the one that's going to control this and I'm the one creating the narrative. So I appreciate that uh, that out of him. He was it was vintage Carlos, and he deserves to say stuff like that.
2: The third game of the four game series is scheduled for tonight, although it is supposed to rain. The Cardinals scheduled to pitch Johan Oviedo against Vince Velasquez. And then tomorrow we may have a doubleheader because this is the only time Philadelphia makes a trip into St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow, 12.15 is the scheduled time for Nola and KK. But we, number one, are going to go as far as we can tonight. But number two, could have a doubleheader tomorrow.
3: Which I wouldn't be too mad at because I love a doubleheader action.
2: I do too. Especially when it's a seven-inning doubleheader. Agreed. When I don't have to invest 18 and I can plan on investing 14 that'd be pretty good I can handle that
3: yeah for 2020 was such a weird year well for everything but especially with sports but one of my favorite things that emerged from the 2020 baseball season was the seven inning doubleheaders they were a blast
2: Michelle, the Cardinals are going to be playing tonight. The Blues are are back in action tonight as well. 5 o'clock pregame, 6 o'clock faceoff from Minnesota here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale will have the action. And how many times have I said this is the biggest game of the year for the Blues? You think I, I've said it, said it half a dozen at least?
3: I was going to say at least 10 times. At yeah. least 10 times we've well, said
2: that. Here we go with these three against the Wild and the Blues chasing the Wild in the standings. And they are going to catch them. As I say that, I'll, well, I'll give you the old character guarantee there. Minnesota <laughs> has 65 points. The Blues have 48. However, the Blues do have three games in hand and a one-point lead over Minnesota uh, over Arizona. So the Blues just need to keep winning and handling their own destiny. They do that. They're fine. And as we have seen... Not only can they play well against Minnesota, they can dominate the Wild.
3: Yes. And coming off these past two games, I think all of us feel much better about the Blues and their chances to not only continue on this way and ride this momentum, but to be a playoff team. And if they go out and they played the way they played the last two games, they'll be fine.
2: You are chief. I'm putting you in the shoes, the large shoes of Craig Bruby. Okay. Okay. Fashionable shoes, but right. large.
3: I got to be a little gruff here. Yes. Okay. Uh,
2: chief. You got a game tonight and a game tomorrow night. Is Jordan Binnington playing both of them?
3: I'm trying to think what Chief would say about this. Yes.
5: <laughs> or
3: we need our we need our best players to be our best players, and Jordan Bennington gives us the best opportunity to win.
2: You did give him the contract. You did rest him a lot with Huso during the middle part of the season in back to backs, and I got a lot of tweets that said, "You just paid this guy six million dollars. Why can't you play him back to back? He's still a human being. Yes, of he's, course. He's a ma- man, not a machine." But here we are now, the reason that you rested him is so that you could play him back-to-back and three out of four. and. I would be a little bit disappointed if it wasn't Binnington tonight and tomorrow.
3: Especially the way he's played the past two games, he's on fire. Yeah, He kept the Blues in that game on on Saturday. He had the cartwheel save <laughs> earlier this week. He's been playing out of his mind, so I would absolutely want to play him as much as possible. And he's, he's going to want to go. He's a yeah. guy that likes the big moment. He likes the pressure. He knows how important it is for his team to get these wins. And I imagine that Jordan Binnington wants to get the call.
2: The NFL draft is tomorrow and the suspense I don't know about you Michelle the suspense is killing me the first pick held by the Jacksonville Jaguars and we really don't know they, they have said that they don't know who they're going to pick and Shad Khan said it's going to be Urban Meyer's choice Urban Meyer said it's going to be Shad Khan's choice maybe a little dysfunction there but we don't know
3: wow so you're telling me that it might not be Trevor Lawrence, number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars?
2: That's what the NFL would want us to think, wow. Michelle.
3: Wow, I'm totally buying that, and I'm so intrigued. <laughs> There's no way that, they're, that they would lie about that or try to throw up smoke to get more people to tune in.
2: It's a TV show.
3: Wow.
2: At the end of the day, they're in the entertainment business.
3: Didn't Jacksonville already get busted putting Trevor Lawrence on something whether I forget what it was but they maybe they sent an email or they put him something on, their, on the stadium when
2: they finished the season i think they put a, the, on their web on their twitter page they put a picture of him yeah, up yeah
3: there was something like that
2: and he has committed to give money to charities in Jacksonville.
3: <laughs> well, to be fair, they don't... Jaguars fans donated yeah. to his wedding fund, so he right. said he's going to donate it back, essentially. But yeah, I mean... Come Why on. would the
2: Jets quarterback be doing that?
3: Come on, this is an arranged <laughs> marriage. This is a done deal.
2: And we're going to talk NFL Draft later in the show. Our friend, the great Rick Venturi, will be with us at 845. And then another friend, former Rams DB Corey Chavis, who uh, runs DraftNasty.com, which is, in my opinion... Uh, of all of the quote unquote draft experts out there because of Corey's history as a player, it's the most valuable information that you can get in uh, on the draft. Kuyper and McShay are fantastic. And our, our friend Matt Miller from Joplin on ESPN, all those people do great work, but Corey's ability to dissect things as a former player really comes in handy at draft nasty.
3: Looking forward to speaking with him.
2: And, uh, Coming up next on 101 ESPN, you know about uh, Uncle Randy. I've been around, you know. So you can send in a text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 because Ask Uncle Randy is coming your way on this Wednesday, this hump day on 101 ESPN. We're right back to
0: the Carricker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Six five seven eight zero is your air comfort service text line on one hundred one ESPN, and I am ready to help you out if you have a question, if you have something going on in your life that you need help with. Well, I have the answers. Why? Because I'm old, <laughs> and I've been around, and I like to help out my younger peeps. So, Michelle, if you have, uh, if if, peop- if our people have questions. I'm ready to answer them. If you have questions, I'm ready to answer your questions.
3: I have a question for you. Yes. So last night, Randy, I had a bit of a television issue. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone else out there had this, but the Fox Sports Midwest app on my smart TV transferred over to Valley Sports Midwest, and that happened, at least on my television last night, and it would not let me log in to watch the game. We may have had a little rage blackout situation. I They gave me a code to activate the app even though I had already logged in. And anytime I would put it on, it said invalid code. Even though I was staring Mm. at it, triple checked it, it was the same. So how do I not lose my cool in moments like that?
2: Michelle, this is a bad question for Uncle Randy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I, I would suggest the main thing is don't damage anything physically around your house because Uncle Randy's done it before and it doesn't make any sense Antonio Brown back with the Buccaneers.
3: Oh, great. One-year deal. Great. It
2: yeah. doesn't make any sense to punch a wall or cause a hole in a wall. And as somebody who in the past has dealt with black outrage because of the very issues that you experienced last night, this is one of the few things that I really can't help with because I'm not, as a laid-back person, I'm not la- laid-back enough to be missing my game talking to people who have no idea and no ability to understand what my issue is and then trying to fix it myself. It's its an impossible answer because I can't be easygoing enough to avoid the black outrage.
3: And I think the... Well, the worst part about it is that you're not getting the game, but also because it's so out of your control. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely nothing you can do to fix it. This isn't an unplug it, wait 30 seconds. It's not hit the side of the TV like it used to do with a video game back in the day. It is so out of your hands. And you're watching things develop on Twitter. You're 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 listening, and you're seeing that Carlos is doing great. You're watching on Twitter the play of Nolan Arenado, and you're thinking, really? That would have been amazing if I could have watched this live.
2: And you're plugging in 10 12 14 codes you're just, you're, oh. and, and you just and you start pressing the buttons harder like it's gonna make a difference <laughs> yes. right do, 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 do. yeah it's- I
3: got up right close to the TV <laughs> and I wrote down the code and then put it in and it did not work then I even tried to to log out reset my password i deleted the app re uploaded the app i tried everything and it was not working and then at one point randy the little circle was going oh, the worst the and buffer thought, circle oh it's gonna happen it is gonna happen and then it said gateway 504 timed out i'm like you the gotta worst. be kidding me who
2: the hell put gateway 5 and 504 in there? like we're supposed to understand what gateway 504 means
3: just say you know what it's not working it's broke <laughs> it's broke <laughs>
2: it's broke michelle what do you have Emily. Emily, I'm sorry. Michelle, Emily. It's
6: More than I, I get
2: confused. I'm old. It's same a, difference. It's I'm just teasing you. Hi, Emily.
6: Um, I just checked the Bally Sports website to see uh-huh. if I could figure anything out. And um, they did a technical issues update. So people that use Xbox, Google Infra, Roku, or Cox, the issue affecting access to content for some users should be resolved Ah, oh, yes i have a roku there we there go, we go. Okay, thank you so emily maybe try
3: that again tonight
2: yep. hopefully it'll be better for two games
3: okay good to know all right well let's get to, to some listener questions they're rolling in and these are great from the 636 dear uncle randy my wife and i were selling our house we think we're gonna get above asking price if you them- deal with
2: Gloria lou that's
3: right mm-hmm. absolutely give her a call so We think we're going to get above asking with how the market is currently playing out the neighborhood we want to build in only has three lots left do we sign a contract before we list our house or is that too risky we're afraid we're going to miss out on this awesome neighborhood
2: this is the hottest home selling market in the history of st louis we talk to ryan kelly all the time we talk to gloria lou and uncle randy if he were in the same situation as you I would put the contract on the house on the lot that you like in the new neighborhood and feel confident that you're going to get at or above your asking price. It would be different if it were 10 years ago when we were in the depths of the worst home crisis in the history of our country. But we've had a really strong market now for Quite some time, year, year and a half. Michelle, you've had to deal with this in in shopping for homes.
3: It's bananas. Houses are going in the blink of an eye, and they're going for far over asking. They're priced high, and they're going above asking. It's nuts.
2: So- I think Michelle and I both, Michelle and Uncle Randy, would both be on the the same in the same thought process. Yeah, you two, uh, you sign that contract and build your house, and you will sell your house. I, I would feel very confident if I were in your shoes.
3: Not only is the is the market seemingly playing out that way, but. In the text, this person said, we're worried we're going to miss out on this awesome neighborhood. If that's truly what you want, you think this is going to be your dream neighborhood, and the opportunity is there, but it's dwindling, don't let it pass you by.
2: And you know that if you don't sell your house at your asking price, Gloria Lou will buy it from you.
3: There you go. So you're good. Give her a call. From the 618, dear Uncle Randy, when I get Blues or Cardinals tickets from work, my first thought is taking my dad because he loves it. However, my wife always wants to go, but she couldn't care less about the game. She just focuses on people and watching the Jumbotron during the game. Who should I take?
2: I would suggest that as much as your wife loves it, you can go to your wife and say, look, I have a finite amount of time in my life to spend with my father. And A... We don't get much time to get to spend together because I'm spending time with you, hopefully, my wife, as much as I can. And B, the reason that I'm going to these games now is likely, I'm going to say, because my dad took me to games as a kid. I want to spend time with my father. I hope that doesn't bother you. I understand that you want to go. And next year, when we get back to a more normal season, we will go, but... This is for my dad, and I want to do that for him. That's Perfect. what I would tell your wife. Perfect. Yeah.
3: How's she going to say no to that?
2: Yeah, it's, hey, it's, it's father-son bonding time. And you had, a uni- as an only child, a unique relationship and going to a lot of games with your father. Yeah. For, I would suggest, most males listening to this show... The primary bond between father and son is talking sports. That's the thing that dads and sons can talk about. So... Take advantage of the ability to go to a game with your dad. I texted Danny last night. Dan was talking about Jim Cott. My oh, dad would have been used...
3: nice to listen to him. Yeah.
2: <laughs> my, my dad used to take me out of school from the time I was like in second grade, he'd take me out of school for a day game mm-hmm. every year and That's we so would, cool. we would go to a Cardinal day game. And Dan brought up Jim Cott and I remember so this is my senior year in high school that we're still doing this. And my dad takes me out of school or I I left school and we're walking into the ballpark cards are playing the Cubs. And it says on the scoreboard, the Cardinals have acquired left-hander Jim Codd and right-hander Pedro Borbone. Same day, April 30th, 1980. And I remember that distinctly. That, that, that was the last time we did that when I was in high school. And th- those are the sorts of memories that you never, ever, ever can forget. And, like I said, you have a fima- finite amount of time to enjoy.
3: And especially over the past year when we haven't been able to see everybody as frequently as we would have liked to. Use that as well. Say, I didn't get to spend that much time with him this past year. Uh, Well, maybe you have. I don't really know the circumstances. But if anything, this past year has really made us focus in on, on things like that and how important they are.
2: It made Uncle Randy feel good several weeks ago when I asked Patrick, who's busy now, he's got a job, he's got a girlfriend, he's got all this time. And we didn't get to go to Arizona for the first time in a long time this year for mm-hmm. spring training. And I said, do you still want to go to Arizona next year? And he said, yeah. <laughs> so that's Good.
3: cool. I love that. From the 636, Uncle Randy, what is the statute of limitations on a Christmas gift card? My kid still hasn't used the one that I got her.
2: Until, it, there's, an, un- until there's an expiration again. Going back to my kids, right? uh, especially Patrick. He keeps gift cards forever. And until they expire, it's on them. It's their piece of property now. I don't think there is a statute of limitations. And hopefully at some point she will develop a need and go out and use it.
3: Yeah. If you gift something to someone, it's up to them to determine when or how they use it.
2: Yeah. And if you develop a need and you determine that not only is she not going to use it, but she's forgotten about it, sneak into her room while she's sleeping and take it and use it for yourself.
3: And say, you know what? You need to keep your things more organized. I don't know how you lost
2: this. Yep. That's Uncle Randy for you here on 101 ESPN.
3: Tricky, tricky. From the 314, dear Uncle Randy, today is my 20th wedding anniversary. Congratulations." Congratulations. Well done. Well done. What do I give the lucky lady?
2: Okay. I am not one of those people that is big on the years. There's something for every anniversary now.
3: Isn't it silver or paper or wood, things like that?
2: Yeah. Uh, let me see what the twentieth anniversary thing is. Uh, they've got them by a year. Okay, the twentieth anniversary is platinum.
3: Ooh, platinum.
6: So
2: if she likes platinum, how about this? Uh, the modern, tw- the traditional is China. Nobody has China anymore, right? You will never have China, will you? Not likely. No.
3: It just doesn't seem practical. A lot of people just... And then you have to buy a buffet or some sort of thing to put it in and display, and you maybe use it once a year. just seems like a waste.
2: Yep. So I'm looking right now at this cool thing. It's a canvas, and it, it, it was the first thing that came up, actually, when I Googled 20th anniversary gift. If she likes this kind of stuff... And it's 20 years of marriage, 7,300 days, 175,200 hours, ten thousand five hundred eighteen nine hundred eighty-four minutes, and still counting. Wow. So maybe a canvas with something like that or a, a, a memory of your family or even a photo of your family. You can go to FedEx Kinko's, get a great canvas that she will enjoy. And always, always, always flowers on the anniversary.
3: Yeah, you can never go wrong with flowers.
2: No. And... This is something that is very opinion-based, all right? But I am one who thinks that people don't really care about cards within a minute after they open it. Really? Yes. So I don't spend a ton of time shopping for or paying for cards. I go to the dollar store for cards.
3: Well, that's fine. It's all about the message you write inside. Yeah,
2: but you don't have to shop for a half hour, for a card?
3: Oh no, you don't need to spend twenty bucks on a card. No, just you can even get a piece of loose leaf and write a very heartfelt note, and she's going to keep it right. and remember it.
2: Right. But the the card itself, yeah, doesn't. Don't go overboard. with thinking about the card, don't overthink it.
3: No. No. A
2: hallmark no. is cleaning up on people that overthink cards and spending. Seven ninety nine.
3: You can get really lost there.
2: Oh, you can. <laughs> you start reading right. one
3: of those cards, you want to read another, yeah. the next thing you know, 30 minutes have gone by.
2: There's the gig right there, writing Hallmark card messages.
3: We could easily do that.
2: Yeah, it'd be no problem. We could turn out 20 a day.
3: For sure. Happy 20th anniversary. Let's come up with an idea right now.
2: Yeah. Uh, you uh, maybe on the front turns. of the,
3: maybe on the front of the card. It says surprise, and then you open it, and it says yeah. you're still married. Congrats, <laughs>
2: yeah, something like that. Make it that, funny, and that'd be in the in the funny aisle.
3: Yeah, in the humor aisle.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay, your turn.
2: Uh, okay, happy twentieth. Uh, let's see. Twenty years ago, I never thought that we'd still be as in love as we are. Perfect. Thank you.
3: And that's in the romance aisle. It is one more from the six one eight. Hi, Uncle Randy. I'm 35 years old, two young kids trying to get into golf for the very first time. Okay. I got everything I need to set myself up. How many times should I hit the range before I go and play an easy nine hole course? Is it even possible for someone my age to get into golf and be halfway halfway decent?
2: It is. I played with a gentleman the other day who's 29. He started when he was 26. He's been playing for three years. And of the five of us that were playing, he was the best. Check out YouTube. They have a lot of great tips on YouTube, golf tips. And I don't think there's a number to get to the range. It's when you start to feel comfortable that you can make contact with the ball and keep the ball moving down the course. You don't want to get out on a course and be hitting it 10 yards, 10 yards, 10 yards. But you also don't need to hit it 230. If you can hit your driver 175 yards, if you can have the ball go where you want it to go or near where you want it to go 50% of the time, you can get out on an easy nine hole and that's not a problem at all. People will understand there are other golfers out there that are golfing for the first time and it's never too late to start golfing. I will throw this out there for you though. There are a lot of great golf teachers in our area and if you have the wherewithal and it doesn't cost much, go out and take a one-hour lesson or take get get into a group lesson situation and they're very inexpensive and get out and maybe for four weeks go out and take a one-hour lesson with a group every week and that'll change your game it really will it's amazing the teachers how quickly they can make you a much better golfer
3: agreed also you can get one of those little rollout putter things in your house right If you already have the the gear, you already have the clubs. That's always something that I do. Whenever I'm over at my parents' house, my dad has that in the basement. Work on your short game when he can.
2: That makes a huge difference. I have golf holes in my basement that I don't use enough. You should. I I need to putt more.
3: It's going to be raining today, Randy. Today seems like a good day to do it.
2: It is. And don't forget our friends at Family Golf and Learning Center. Yep. And uh, just look them up. Do a a Google search for them. Uh, Adam Betts and the gang over there do fantastic work and they're great friends and I know they've helped you a lot
3: big time yes absolutely go there and it's important I think especially as you mentioned in the beginning to have a professional tell you what you're doing wrong because then you can get in those bad habits and that's Mm -hmm. not something you want to do
2: and if you have a teacher that has just an iPad that can video you and you can see what you're doing makes a big difference as well Thanks, Michelle. You got it. And thanks for your text to Uncle Randy. Next up, the Pioneer League is ditching extra innings in favor of something crazy and stupid. That's the next time, on 101 ESPN. We're right back
0: to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: <laughs> Michelle, after the five-minute overtime in hockey, the five-minute three-on-three overtime, they go to the shootout and... I don't, I'm not devastated by that. I, I like the old overtime. Actually, I don't mind ties. I've never seen a Pioneer League baseball game, but <laughs> I don't like this. The, uh, the, the bulletin, bulletin, apparently official from the Pioneer League. To avoid the excessive strain on our pitching staffs, the Pioneer Baseball League will not have extra innings, but rather will employ a first-of-its-kind knockout rule the resolves tied games with a head-to-head sudden death home run duel under the rule each team designates a hitter who will receive 5 pitches with the game determined by the most home runs hit. If still tied after the first knockout round, another hitter is selected for a sudden death home run face-off until a winner is declared. Home run derby to determine the winner and loser of a baseball game. I complain all the time about the three true outcomes about how we only see strikeouts and yeah. home runs and walks. Well, now you're gonna have teams that just load up on guys that's that's all they can do is hit home runs. They're gonna be worried about extra innings and all they're gonna all those guys are gonna be able to do is hit the ball out of the ballpark or swing and miss.
3: I'm actually very intrigued by this. I know you're not a fan, Randy, but I think that this could be really fun. I am someone that really enjoys the shootouts in hockey. I also think baseball is, as we've talked about many times, looking for ways to put more entertainment into the game, to put ways into the game where people have that excitement. And this certainly brings that. It brings a different level of intensity. It brings a finite amount of time that you can win with these pitches and these hitters. And I think it's going to get more stars in the game. A lot of times, the, the guy with power on your team is the guy a lot of people know, the guy who's hitting home runs. So to get that person in a high-pressure situation to win the game with all eyes on them, I think, is a win for baseball.
2: And being somebody who watched the game when guys could actually do a lot of things, I am not offended by the idea, if you want to preserve your pitching staff, of putting a guy at second base. Teach people how to bunt, bunt the guy over to third. Get your bat on the ball and don't strike out. Hit a sacrifice fly and get the the runner home. I would much rather see good base running, the ability to handle the bat, and the ability to score a run without the benefit fit of a hit. I'd much rather watch that style. If we're going to do this, than a home run derby to determine a game.
3: But if if this were to happen at the major you, league level, at the major league I level, hate it. But I, I wonder if over time you might come to enjoy it. Sports fans are so resistant to change with their game, especially baseball fans. In 2020, there were a lot of changes that happened. And I think at the beginning, a lot of people were resistant to the seven-inning doubleheaders. A lot of people didn't think that they would like a lot of the rules that were being tweaked or changed in, in various ways. And then it ended up being things that people loved at the end of the 2020 season. And I wonder if baseball, and, and obviously the Pioneer League is adopting this, is looking looking at this and they're saying this might be an opportunity for us to try something new, something entertaining and something that people might complain about in the infancy of this, but then grow to love.
2: I don't think there will ever be a scenario. And by the way, I'm not the target demographic for baseball anymore. They're trying to appeal to younger people. But I will never like a baseball game where the ability to play is diminished and one-trick ponies are tossed out there and being considered the people that can win or lose a game. I want people that can actually play in all facets of the game. I I love the five-tool player. I will never enjoy sending a guy like Chris Carter up there or uh, Chris Davis back in the day to determine the outcome of a game. I will never enjoy that.
3: But I I do think there is something to wanting to try to limit the amount of innings if it's going to extra innings because you could burn through how many pitchers in a game like that to determine an outcome.
2: And and that's why I'm okay, not that I love it, but I'm okay with starting extra innings with a runner at second base and being able to actually play the baseball game, being able to do things that baseball players have to be able to do to win games in innings six, seven, eight, nine, To be able to do that in the 10th. Not that the home runs are not something that you do, but there are a lot of one-trick ponies out there. That's all they can do is swing for the fences. And I think we've already gone too far with that in baseball.
3: As... someone that loves baseball. We all love baseball. Most of us here in St. Louis love baseball. I am concerned about the game. I'm concerned about the national popularity of baseball. I'm concerned that baseball, the games are so long. It is such an investment to have to give four hours of your life to watch a game. And I can understand how different leagues out there are looking for a way to add some pop and add some more entertainment to baseball. Think about if the Cardinals and Phillies last night went into this scenario. You don't think that that could be something that leads? Sports Center.
6: I,
2: Bryce I, Harper
3: up at the plate, extra the knockout round. Here's what happened. It just it it would, seems but it like it wouldn't make the re- game better. But if more eyeballs how, are on the game, doesn't yeah. that make it better? That's
2: how we lost the 15-foot jumper in basketball. By the way, 30 seconds here. Did you see the Rob Manfred comment yesterday about what Adam Silver told him? No. Adam Silver said to Rob Manfred, quit complaining about pace of play. Your pace of play is perfect for gambling with the, number, uh, the t- amount of time between pitches and between innings. People can bet on your game between events. They can't do that in basketball. So quit complaining. And Rob Manfred said, yeah, you're right.
3: That's actually a very good point. It is. Because gambling is controlling everything moving forward. Adam
2: Silver should be the commissioner of baseball.
3: He should be the commissioner of everything. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to uh, grow a product, that's for sure.
2: Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, Emily, and Randy have take it or leave it coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Six five seven eight zero, the air comfort service text line. Take it or leave it, Michelle. I'm going to remove my reading glasses, Walter Cronkite style.
3: Okay. Wow, wow! I felt that.
2: right. The flash from Los Angeles, apparently official. Okay, from Us Weekly. Oh no. Quote:
3: Is this a, is this about Larsa Pippen again? This is better. Okay, okay, great.
2: Better. A Rod will not give up on his and J Lo's relationship. A source tells Us Weekly exclusively, he is willing to do anything to make it work. The Grammy nominee and the retired athlete were spotted dining together at the Hotel Bel Air in Los Angeles just five days ago after they had allegedly broken up, reportedly at the same place they had their first date in 2017. Quote, A-Rod flew to L.A. on Thursday to see her. J-Lo still doesn't trust him all the way. She's very skeptical, but she heard him out because she still has a lot of love for him. Now, she's not convinced yet that she and her ex-fiance can turn things around, but a Rod, the former Yankee star, is, quote, determined to win her back, unquote take it or leave it, he does win her back.
3: Leave it, leave it, leave it. J-Lo is one smart woman and she understands that if A-Rod didn't value her the way that he should have before and he was DMing all these people on Instagram and colluding a reality television star that this is, this is a pattern and that she needs to get out while she can. I think they're likely dining because they have so many businesses together and that J-Lo is a professional and she needs to talk to A-Rod about the business side of things.
2: No, it was where they had their first date. She's thinking about that. She's thinking, oh, man, I was in love with this guy. I was engaged to this guy. This is where we had our first date. He's a savvy guy. He's popular again after getting suspended for steroids. He knows how to make a comeback. He will make the comeback.
3: He made the comeback in large part because of her. He bit the hand that fed him. He bit the hand that revitalized his career in a lot of ways. He became endearing to people because he was so lovesick over JLo. lo He was such an egomaniac before. People couldn't stand A-Rod and the narcissism and him kissing the mirror and the centaur. People couldn't stand him. He was known as a liar and a cheater and a bad guy. JLo lo gets with him. He becomes endearing, and then what does he do? He lies, and he cheats, and he becomes a bad guy again. I'm done with A-Rod. We're done.
2: But she's not. She knows, like America, that there's nothing like a great redemption story. And it'll enhance her career, as great as it is. It'll enhance his brand. It'll help their businesses for them to be together. And, Michelle, at the end of the day, they do love each other. Do they? Yeah. That's why she went for the date because she has a lot of love for him, according to an exclusive source of Us Weekly.
3: I wonder who these sources are. They're publicists?
2: Exclusive? I you think don't know.
3: It's A Rod calling up Us Weekly and saying, This is me directly. Exclusive source. Yes. Print this. Yes. JLo still has a lot of love for me. Print it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know where okay. we're having
3: our date if you print that she still has a lot of love for me.
2: That's probably it. <laughs>
3: So you are all about these these celebrity couples, you and Dan. Yesterday, Tristan and Chloe, which by the way has gotten a lot of run. Oh great. yeah, you well, were early in on that one. We
2: are uh, we're ahead of the game in that regard, no doubt about it. Yeah, and Larsa, by the way, uh, does not have an awful lot going on. But James Harden, Evelyn Lozada, man, we've got some things happening.
3: <laughs> the wheels are in motion.
2: Yeah, uh, Kendall Jenner wants to marry Devin Booker now. Wow. Yeah. So the, hey, believe me, things are happening.
3: It's but spring, I'm aware. It's springtime. Love is blooming.
2: Love is in the air.
3: Take it or leave it. You're going to watch more than the first round of the NFL draft.
2: Um, I will respectfully leave that. Yeah, I.
3: You need to be respectfully.
2: Okay. You can uh, just leave it. Friday night. Well, maybe. No, the Cardinals are playing Friday night. So I'm yeah. going to be watching the Cardinals. I'm, I might flip back and forth at some point and see a pick or something like that but no I. in fact I was looking at Todd McShay's top 350 players I might know 15 of the guys in the draft maybe I don't care I don't know anybody that's being drafted I used to know the top 350 players when I thought that my team could get one I don't have a team I don't care
3: we used to study all of the players. We couldn't wait for the third, fourth rounds to see who the Rams would get. I have zero interest outside of the first round.
2: Yeah, and maybe the first five picks, right? Right. Well, I want to see where Justin Fields, how far he drops.
3: And I want to see where all these wide receivers land, too. Yeah,
2: and apparently the Mizzou safeties might go late. Larry Borum might go in the third or fourth round, the offensive tackle, which is shocking to me. But a couple of Mizzou guys might go, so I'll keep an eye on them, too. Emily, what do you got for us?
6: From the six one eight, take it or leave it, the Blues only lose three or less of their remaining regular season games and make the playoffs.
2: Okay, you have five against many, so let's hope you can go four and one against many. Okay. Then you're going to lose both to Vegas, right?
3: I think they might split versus Vegas.
2: Okay, so, so I'm going to leave it. First. You might be taking it because you've got a game against Anaheim left? and a game against the Kings.
3: What do we have? 11? 10? I think it's
2: 10. 10. Five mini, two Vegas, Anaheim, here, LA.
3: Stand by, stand by. One more. We're on it. I'm going to read it to you. Okay. In three, two, one. Three versus Minnesota, two versus Anaheim, two versus Vegas, the Kings, and then closing it out uh, against Minnesota twice.
2: Okay, you lose at least three. Because I've got them losing both to Vegas and one at least. I'm going to, we have five against many, right? Yes. Okay. So four against four and one against many. I'm i to be really confident here. So I'm going to say they do have three more losses.
3: I'll go with three, two, just, just from a percentage and an odd standpoint.
2: Yeah. No.
3: And I do think when you see Minnesota that many times. Yeah. You're likely to lose at least two of those.
2: I hope not, but I think that could be the case. Hashtag LGB and Thomas
3: and Tarasenko scored a goal. Oh, and Tarasenko, yeah, scored a goal. It's
2: amazing how and
3: Thomas broke both of them, broke, breaking droughts.
2: How the the social media just loves those players. You you type in like on Twitter or Instagram, hashtag LGB, and they automatically add the T.
3: Tarasenko, very popular
6: player. Very popular. From the three one four, take it or leave it. If the home run tiebreaker was in MLB right now, O'Neill would be the guy for the Cardinals. Whiff,
2: whiff. No, he would not.
3: Who, would, who do you think would be the guy
2: if I, it's not him?
3: Because I might take that.
2: I think I might start with Goldie. I don't want to have a guy that doesn't, I don't want to have a guy that strikes out that much, that swings and misses that much. I need a guy with a lesser whiff rate. So I think Goldie might be my first choice. I
3: think I'm going with O'Neill still. Wow. I know. I get get your point. He gets five pitches. I know. And I understand the risk here, but...
2: He doesn't have a lot of power.
3: uh, That's what we're looking for. We're looking for a guy with power.
2: Yeah. You know who has a good hit tool if you throw the ball right down the middle in a batting practice-type environment is Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung's got pop
5: Mm -hmm.
2: if the pitch is in the zone. If If it's BP, he's got a good power tool.
6: From the 573 Take It or Leave It, Carlos Martinez has turned the corner and can be counted on as a reliable starter you can trust.
3: I'm going to leave that. We are so pumped with what we've seen out of Carlos, but I need a bigger sample size to have, to take the words reliable and count on.
2: Yeah, ditto. It's it's going to take me a while. Thanks, okay. Emily. Thank you. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. The Cardinals did take game two against Philly, and the starting pitching remains almost unbelievable. That's next on 101 ESPN. We
0: are right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101
2: ESPN. Coming up at 804 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And, Michelle, I said before the break that the Cardinals starting pitching has been almost unbelievable, especially when we go back to, and I mentioned this to Mike Schilt last night, it wasn't too long ago that we were talking on our show, and every day Mike was having to talk about whether or not the Cardinals' model of the bullpen pitching as much as or more than the starters was sustainable. Now, in the last nine starts that Cardinal pitchers have made, they've gone five innings, six innings, seven Six, five and two thirds, six, seven, nine. And then last night uh, you got seven and a third from Carlos Martinez in those nine starts. So we're almost two trips through the rotation. The starters have gone 59 innings, allowed 11 earned runs for an earned run average of 1.68 by your starters in your last nine starts.
3: Impressive. Exactly what the Cardinals needed to do. And I think for a lot of these guys, you assumed that at some point they would settle in. It was still early in the season and start to give you more innings. But the bullpen needed it. The bullpen needed a a break. And so it's great to see these guys going deeper into games.
2: I wonder, and by the way, that's about... Six and two-thirds per start that they're averaging. I wonder how much of this is attributable to KK settling things down. By the way, it's been now, I think, nine days since Ponce de Leon pitched in a game because the starters are going and the relievers are, are going. But you get consistency in there. You can count on Gant. He's been good. You can count on Flaherty. He's been really good. You can obviously count on Ueno. Carlos has pitched pretty well this season, aside from some bad innings. Then you get KK in there and then come back with Gant, Flaherty, and Wayno again. I wonder if it's just stability in the rotation.
3: I wonder how much that stability influences Carlos Martinez and what we saw out of him last night. When everyone else in the rotation is providing this for you, you don't want to be the guy that's the outlier. You don't want to be the one that's not following the trends. And I wonder how much of that is an influence on him or a motivating factor for him.
2: And we're going to ask Adam Wainwright about that at 930, about the inner competition among the Cardinals starters, because that's something that's been fostered for a long time, for 21 years in the Cardinal Organization, uh, and it started going all the way back to Pat Hengen and, and Dave Duncan and Daryl Kyle continued it, and Andy Bennis was part of it. And that inner competition among the pitchers, whether it's first pitch strikes or being better than the previous guy the next night out or hitting home runs, there's always something there to get those guys to compete. And the reason these guys are at the major league level is obviously because inherently the the most important trait is their competitive mm-hmm. the want to is amazing.
3: And if you can compete against not only the opposition but your teammates and yourself, mm-hmm. this is something that's right in their wheelhouse.
2: So tonight, if the Cardinals can go, they'll pitch Johan Oviedo. They're in the midst of a 17 game or 17 day stretch in which they have games scheduled. So for at least this time through, and maybe next time through, the Cardinals and Mike Schilt will go with a six man rotation and utilize Oviedo. Novi was
4: man. He like man I had a good spring, and I want to be on the team and. And that's when we introduced to him the the six man scenario. And um, to your point, we haven't done it a lot. So it's not anything that's in, in our um, common how we operate. So I had to get his head around what that looked like and the why behind it. And then encourage him to do what he's done. And that's just stay, stay engaged, you know. Because one of the things that he clearly didn't get an opportunity to do was be that long man out of out of spring training, to be on the club, which by talent and right, he had every right to feel that way. And so it's hard, and I appreciated his willingness to accept this from a team perspective. You say, well, from a team perspective, we're going to need you to get built up. We have to have some guys built up, um, him, the Libertors, et cetera, um, and then they're going to have a season at some point as well. We need you built up to, to come in and fill in, which he has already admirably, four and two-thirds, um, no runs, and uh, and then go back down and be ready. And we declared the date for him, you know, relatively, you know, recent where he was structured with this plan, and and now
2: here we are. And the structure of the plan, I would hope, works to Oviedo's advantage. You remember, Michelle, the last time he started, they told him, come on over from the alternate site, actually probably a, a downtown hotel. He was probably headed over to Soge to work out, and they said, oh, no, we need you and got him over to Bush, and he threw four and two-thirds shutout innings, as Mike Schilt said. So he's already done it. We saw what he did last year at the major league level. I personally, and people around the ball club that we talk to every day, Dan McLaughlin, People have a lot of confidence in Johan Oviedo's ability to succeed.
3: You mentioned that outing four and two-thirds. He looked great, and I'm so glad that he's getting this opportunity because he's proven that the skill is there, and I, as Mike Schultz mentioned, I, I appreciated his team uh, approach to this, but this is a guy that, if given the opportunity, could be highly effective for the mm-hmm. Cardinals, and I, and I can't wait to see what he does with this chance.
2: I'm also interested to see what roster move the Cardinals make now. If they get rained out, this might work to their advantage to rain today's game out because they could add a 27th man to the roster. Theoretically, it could be him tomorrow. If they make a move today, if they're going to play today, you're either going to send Scott Hurst back out to the alternate camp and you have to keep him out for 10 days, or you DFA Ponce with the idea that he could run him through waivers and maybe bring him back. I don't know if there's a scenario in which the Cardinals use Daniel Ponce de Leon now. At the age of 29, he's off to a bad start. As we mentioned, hasn't pitched in nine days. Obviously, he's done enough to make this team and show the Cardinals that he's capable of things. But you are in a roster card Cards remove the Eagles make today to get Oviedo onto the roster.
3: Wow. Would you be surprised if they did that with Ponce?
2: I would not. No. Wow. Because if you look down to the minor league level, if they need a starter beyond Oviedo and they have their five starters right now with Michaelis coming back, you've got Oviedo, you've got Woodford, you've got Liberatore, you've got Thompson. And he hasn't pitched out of the bullpen in nine days. And you've got Jake Woodford who theoretically also could start. Uh, you've got junior Fernandez down there and you've got other young pitchers on the way. I just don't know that there's a great future for Ponce de Leon here in St. Louis.
3: Life comes at you fast. We were talking about him potentially having a rotation spot, and now you're saying that there might not be a future for him here. It's crazy how quickly things can change in, in Major League Baseball.
2: As I look at their roster, let me just get it in front of me so that I can make sure that I'm thinking right. As I look at their roster now, I think that's the most logical thing. And if they still like him, I don't see another team picking him up he just hasn't been good enough. So I think that from that perspective, I think the Cardinals would could be able to bring him back and just sign him to a minor league deal. But right now, you aren't going to get rid of any of your five starters. Uh, Reyes, Gallegos, Hicks, Miller, Helsley, Webb, Cabrera. Those are all relievers that are ahead of him. Uh, you can't get rid of a catcher right now. Nagoski's already on the I.L., so it can't be him. Edmundo Sosa is your only backup shortstop, so you aren't going to have him be the guy. Carpenter, we know, is going to be here, Mm -hmm. and Hurst would be the only other possibility. So, I I could see them because Hurst has options doing that as well, but I really think you only have two options here. I, I think Hurst going out or Ponce being DFA'd are the only two that you have to be able to get Oviedo on the roster for today's game. And That might motivate the Cardinals, by the way, if they do like Ponce de Leon a lot, to rain out tonight, schedule a doubleheader for tomorrow where you don't have to make a move. You just add Oviedo as the extra player.
3: That would be the play. Interesting that Matt Carpenter, no consideration for him to be DFA'd.
2: I'm just thinking, I'm trying to think like the Cardinals think. And I just don't see it happening.
3: I don't see it either. But you would think that he he should be in that conversation.
2: He definitely should. He also, though, has the advantage... Because the Cardinals, I guess they have Rond- Rondone at the alternate camp. They've got Mundo Sosa as a backup infielder. They don't have a lot of middle infielders. And he, at least he can, not well, uh, really, but he, he can do that. He can be that guy. As we've said before, if, if you have him last night, there were only two players, position players that didn't play, the backup catcher Sanchez and Carpenter. If he's utilized that way, you're fine. Mm-hmm. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that is today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got, because we have a lot of guests in the nine o'clock hour, we've got an early edition of You're Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101
2: ESPN. <laughs> it is time for You're
3: Killing Me Smalls a heck of a night last night, Randy, for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He put on quite the display. He hit three home runs, including a grand slam and a solo shot off of Max Scherzer last night. He had seven RBI. He propelled the Blue Jays to beat the Nationals nine to five.
2: And Scherzer had allowed home runs to Vladimir Guerrero Sr. as well. Vladimir Guerrero considered for a long time to be right there with Tatis Jr. as the best prospects in the game, and Vladdy a little overweight, lost about 30 pounds coming into the season, and is having a, a great year for Toronto. And that might be his coming out party. As much as we've seen of him, he really hasn't performed at an extraordinary level so far. Last night was extraordinary, and I think we should expect to see more electrifying things from Vladdy Guerrero. Now, he's not going to be Tatis defensively, but. He is a really good hitter, and I think we'll probably see him hit well for a long time.
3: So, you're telling me he lost weight, and he's still good.
2: Yeah. He lost weight to try to become better defensively, and then they moved him to first, which makes him better defensively. But yeah, he can <laughs> he can still hit a little bit. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? How he's, many
3: times have we talked about that? The guys that go out there and they lose a bunch of weight, and it doesn't really work out.
2: No. It's usually, if you start fat, you want to remain fat, because... Just look at Lance Lynn. Fat Lance Lynn is so much better than skinny Lance Lynn.
3: Who do you need to call him? Fat. Thick.
2: Thick, yeah. yeah thick, thick, thick Fernando Valenzuela. Way better than thin like Fernando effort. Valenzuela. So uh, Vladimir Guerrero there, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, with a 360 batting average, though, and a 1.17 OPS. He is having a year.
3: So you don't think that if MLB adopted the Pioneer league rules about the home run derby and extra innings and vlad guerrero steps into the box that you're not captivated because i am i'm
2: watching Uh, well it is the end of the game i'm just saying that i would rather uh, i i would get more enjoyment and excitement out of people that can actually do things during a game to help your team win a game
4: well
3: he did things during the game to help his team win he did seven rbi
2: yeah but can he do the little things? That's what baseball is. Baseball is an accumulation of little things that add up to big things. And the thing is, we've become so hung up on the home run. That's my problem. People walk or hit homers. That's all they do. And I know there are people that love, love, love home runs. I would rather see people running the bases. I would rather people see people that actually apply some skill and turn baseball into a craft. Baseball used to be a craft. Now, it's just swing as hard as you can in case you hit it.
3: Speaking of craft, it's we're an hour and 20 minutes into the show, and we haven't even really talked about Nolan Arenado's unbelievable play last unbelievable. night. You talk about someone that is so skilled at their craft and can do things that no one else can do. He is ridiculous. He
2: works on that play, <laughs> it's which is amazing.
3: Crazy. I had to watch that, that replay several times. It was awesome.
2: Yeah, if, if you give me the choice between Vladimir Guerrero at third base just hitting bombs and he's got seven or arenado being able to do everything hit hit for power run the bases field throw i'll take arenado
4: you're
3: killing me smalls okay randy this is getting a lot of play i don't know i want to gauge your interest in this so floyd mayweather five-time world champion Mm -hmm. is returning to the ring he's going to fight youtube sensation turn boxer logan paul This is going to happen at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. It's coming up on June 6th. It's going to be a pay-per-view on Showtime. And they announced it yesterday. Is that something that you would be interested in watching or paying for?
2: Certainly not paying for. But if I could get it pirated, I I would. I was really surprised that uh, Logan Paul handled Ben Askren, the former Mizzou wrestler, as well as he did a couple of weeks ago. I want to see Logan Paul get his. And I wish that Floyd Mayweather would, rather than running away from him like he did with Pacquiao and kind of did with McGregor. I wish Floyd would just come after him and pummel him, slice his face up.
3: So you're cheering for Floyd Mayweather in this scenario. I
2: would be cheering for Floyd Mayweather in this scenario. And I can pretty much easily say that whatever YouTube sensation Floyd Mayweather would be going against, I would be rooting for Floyd Mayweather.
3: YouTube sensation turned boxer.
2: Yes, but if it's a YouTube sensation that's not a boxer, I would still, if it's a fight that has been allowed to happen within the ring, I would be rooting for Mayweather. Wow. Even if it's Rebecca Black.
3: Is is she she, a YouTube sensation? She was at
2: one point. Remember that song, Friday? She made a million bucks off of that.
3: Friday. Yeah, okay, we got to pull that up. Rebecca Black?
2: Yeah, She she made like a million bucks off of a YouTube song.
3: Of all things, I thought that you might talk about today. I did not anticipate you pulling Rebecca Black out of your head. If
2: I'm not mistaken, Michelle, and I don't know if this person may be listening right now, isn't a YouTube sensation occupying the top floor of the apartments at uh, Ballpark Village? I believe so.
3: A YouTube sensation is occupying the penthouse at One Cardinal Way? Is Uh, that what you're telling me?
2: That's what I believe. Let me check. I know I've read this, or wow. maybe I dreamt it.
3: We didn't even realize this, but back on February 11th, 2021, it was the 10-year anniversary of Rebecca Black's Hit Friday.
2: Oh, man. See? It's
3: really embarrassing that we missed that. Apologies. Yeah, so sorry. sorry. Sorry, Becky. Usually we're, we're better than that.
2: <laughs> yeah, we are.
3: She was only 13 when that song blew up on the internet.
2: Oh, and she just got ripped, but she got a million dollars for getting ripped, so that's not bad.
3: I'd get ripped publicly for a million bucks. Oh, yeah.
2: You? Absolutely. I'd take it. Especially
3: if she's 13.
2: Yeah, she can handle it. And now everybody's kind of, except for us, have forgotten her.
3: Well, I'm not saying a 13-year-old can handle it, but I'm saying, how much, how badly are people going to rip a 13-year-old? Oh, they did they did. rip her badly? Oh, yeah. my God. Emily's giving me the look. Tell me, Emily.
2: I like it. They did not like it.
3: Really? I mean, I don't have anything off
6: the top of my head, but yeah. she got ripped.
2: Yeah, it was not great.
6: Hmm. All right.
5: So.
6: Well, anyway. It wasn't a good song. It wasn't
3: great. It gets stuck in your head, but not in a good way. But Brandi Carragher remembered it 10 years later. Yep. And remembered who sang it.
2: We used to play it in the fast lane.
3: <laughs> Emily, get that ready to go for a break. I, I think yeah. we need to hear that. Will do. <laughs> Keep hit the sounder too.
2: Yeah, oh yeah, you're killing me, small. <laughs> Thank
3: killing you, Oh, uh, by the way, from the three one four, YouTubers live rent free in Randy's head.
2: Yes, they do. Do they? That's why I want to see them get knocked out by Floyd Mayweather.
3: Yeah, I just, I'm not on the YouTube scene, shockingly. All right, anyway, you, we mentioned this super briefly earlier in the show, but Antonio Brown re-signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a one-year contract. His deal could be worth up to $6.25 He's He is guaranteed $3.1 million, including a $2 million signing bonus.
2: Michelle, they might win another Super Bowl. They bring everybody back, all 22 starters, plus a guy like Antonio Brown, plus both Gronk and Brait. They're going to get O.J. Uh, Howard back their tight end they have they're loaded and they have their first round pick too so they're going to be really really good again
3: they are and I I just think it's amazing that Antonio Brown signing with them again because remember Bruce Arians initially saying he wasn't fit mm-hmm. saying he's not coming here there's no way he's coming here not a fit and then not only does he win a Super Bowl with them but he's coming back
2: see A-Rod can win J-Lo back
3: This is different, Randy. This is different. Antonio Brown must have done. Tom Brady must love him for some reason. I would love to get him in a private moment and ask him, honestly, why do you like this guy? I know that he's got skill, but you let him live in your house. You're bringing him back around the team. He seems like not that great of a guy. But Tom Brady, for some reason, taking him under his wing and really allowed him to, to flourish.
2: Okay. Let me just throw this out there as a possibility. Not that there's any comparison between the two, but could it be an in-your-face for Ben Roethlisberger? Is there Mm. that much pettiness on the part of Tom Brady that he's saying, well, Roethlisberger couldn't handle this guy, but I can.
3: Mm, I'm going to say no, just because... Not that I don't think that there's a little bit of that ego in the, in various mm-hmm. quarterbacks. You couldn't handle him. I can. I think Tom Brady has one thing that he thinks about all day long outside of Giselle and his kids, and that's winning Super Bowls. And I think if he looks at the skill set of Antonio Brown and the talent there, and he can push everything else aside and just extract the talent and get what he can mm-hmm. out of him, he's going to make it work.
2: Remember that... Uh- the story that Joe Buck told us about when the, when he was doing the golf thing, the match with Tiger and Phil and Peyton, and he was doing sprints in the parking lot. And Barkley says, what are you doing? And he said, I'm trying to win Super Bowls. Right. That's You're right. That's the way he he feels. He's obsessed. Yep. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up next, we have The Fight on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the
0: character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 8.33, which means it's time for the fight. Let's welcome in Randy's competition today. Matt is with us. How you doing, Matt?
7: Doing great. Good morning, everybody.
3: Good morning to you. Are you excited to take on Randy?
7: I am. I've put this off for a long time, so I figure I give it a shot.
3: You've put it off for a long time. Explain that.
7: Oh, gosh, I've probably listened since the early days of when uh, the fast lane started and 101 ESPN. always thought about joining the fight. But, uh, hey, I'm on paternity leave now, and nothing better to do in between diaper change, so let's go.
3: Oh, my gosh, I'm so glad that you finally submitted yourself and that you get this opportunity. But I want to talk about paternity leave. Is this your first baby? Second. Second. Girl, boy?
7: Uh, Another boy. So the second boy.
3: Okay, and what's your baby's name? Dominic. Dominic. Okay. Well, I first of all, congratulations on your second baby. And let's get, let's get this win for Dominic. Okay, Matt? Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Uh, good luck. We believe in you. Question number one for you. Happy 57th birthday to Barry Larkin. It seems like we start question number one every day with a birthday question. Barry Larkin was a 12-time All-Star playing primarily what position for the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Reds? Is it shortstop, second base, or third base?
8: Shortstop.
6: Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit three home runs, including a grand slam, in a single game last night for the first time in his career. His dad, Vladimir Guerrero, was inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame wearing which logo on his cap and his plaque? Was it the Montreal Expos, Anaheim Angels, or Texas Rangers?
9: I'm going to have to go with the Expos. That's where I know him the most from.
3: Question number three for you, Matt. On April 28th, 1987, the NBA announced that they would be expanding to four new cities. Which NBA team was the 30th to join the league in 2004? Was it the Toronto Raptors, Vancouver, or now the Memphis Grizzlies, or the Charlotte Bobcats, now the Hornets?
7: I believe it was, uh, what was the first one again?
3: It was either Toronto Raptors, Vancouver, now Memphis Grizzlies, or the Charlotte Bobcats, which is are now the Hornets.
7: I think it's a Toronto. We'll go with that.
3: And on
6: this day in 2016, the LA Rams selected Jared Goff with their first overall pick. What college did he attend and play football for? UCLA, California,
3: or USC? USC. All right, we're checking our score here. Randy's on his way back in. Matt, are you and the family getting any sleep right now as you have a, n- a newborn?
7: <laughs> uh, do you short naps count?
3: <laughs> uh, you know, I would think they do. You're trying to get it in when you can. Yeah. Uh, Randy's getting settled in. Randy, please say hello to Matt. I want to let you know, Matt has listened since the Fastlane days, has always wanted to submit for the fight, has never done it, but he's on paternity leave. So he figured today's the day to do it. He welcomed in his second baby, Baby Dominic.
2: Baby Dominic, welcome. And, Matt, thanks so much for listening, first of all. And we appreciate you being a part of the show today, too. It's We, we need you. So uh, good luck today.
8: Thank you.
3: All right, Randy, question number one. Mm-hmm. Happy 57th birthday to Barry Larkin. Mm -hmm. Larkin was a 12-time All-Star playing primarily what position for the Cincinnati Reds?
2: He was a shortstop.
3: Vladimir
6: Guerrero Jr. hit three home runs, including a grand slam, in a single game last night for the first time in his career. His dad, Vladimir Guerrero, was inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame wearing which logo on his cap and his plaque?
2: I believe... That's a good one. Was it Angels or Expos? It seems... Well, Dawson and Carter both went in as Expos. I'm going to go with Angels for Vladimir Sr.
3: On April 28, 1987, the NBA announced that they would be expanding to four new cities. Which NBA team was the 30th to join the league in 2004?
2: 2004. So they're up to 30 now. Who is the latest team? 04. It seems like Minnesota came before that. Um, I'll, I'll do the lifeline just for the sake of expediency here.
3: Is it the Toronto Raptors, the Vancouver, or now Memphis Grizzlies, or the Charlotte Bobcats, which are now the Hornets?
2: It's the Bobcats.
6: And on this day in 2016, the Ra- the LA Rams selected Jared Goff with their first overall pick. Yes. <laughs> yes. No booze. No, we like that pick. Yeah. Yes. Oh,
3: okay. okay. What, college play-
6: <laughs> what college did he attend and play? What college did he attend? What college did he attend and play football for?
2: All right. Uh, let me think about this. He was was he the best ever to come out of Cal?
3: You know. I'm gonna say no I think there might be another quarterback currently playing who hasn't had to move teams that might be better
2: oh a a -A Ron a -A Ron (laughs) yeah a -A Ron Rogers uh Cal the University of California at Berkeley
3: Emily ring it go crazy folks go crazy
0: the winner and still champion of the fight Randy Carriker Fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and Hero Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved Hero
3: Good job, good effort, Matt. We loved having you on the fight, but unfortunately, Randy, he just. He knows too much. That's, he knows. That's a
7: megamind for you. That
3: is mega Mind for you. He got all four correct, as you heard. You got one correct. Uh, let's run through our answers here. So Barry Larkin was a shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. Vladimir Guerrero went into the Baseball Hall of Fame wearing the Anaheim Angels logo on his cap, on his plaque. The Charlotte Bobcats were the 30th team to join the league in 2004. Now, of course, the Charlotte Hornets. And Jared Goff did play college football at Cal I think I remember reading, Randy, at the time, the Rams thought it would be great to have a California kid Mm -hmm. on the billboards as they moved to L.A.
2: They did, and now they traded for a guy that moved to L.A.
3: Yeah.
2: That lives 40 miles north. There you go. And (laughs) California Jared Goff goes to Detroit. Yikes.
3: Yikes. Anyway, Matt, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for playing. And again, congrats on baby Dominic.
7: Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And just do uh, myself and all the listeners a favor, and please do not play that Friday song. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, we
4: were going
3: to do that. Too. Yeah, we were going to do it. We'll, well, we'll take it under consideration, Matt. Yeah. Just for you. I think
2: Dan will like it on Friday, good. though.
3: Oh, you think there Dan's going to like it on Friday? Really? You That's think Dan's going
2: to love it? for
7: it? Dan. even better. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> there Matt. You
2: go. Yeah, take maybe care. for Matt's sake, we shouldn't play it when Baby Dominic could hear it.
3: Yeah. Mike, he said he was getting short naps, not a lot of sleep. Yeah. But I am curious to hear it because it's been so long.
2: Do we have it already? We got a, we got a minute oh, here. Oh, man,
3: Matt. Here we go. Matt personally requested it.
2: I know. But we have to do this because we have to pay off when we say we're going to do things. We Matt, have to pay off. We're All so right.
3: sorry. Matt, put Dominic in a different room,
6: But please. we're only going to
2: do it for 30 seconds or I so. I just
3: want to hear the the chorus,
6: okay. you know? Yeah, here we go. I will say this is the music video, and I don't know how it it's starts. It's the same. Okay. It, does it start right off the top? I'm not
2: sure.
3: Randy's right, like, yes, I, wa- I watch it frequently. I know exactly when it starts. <laughs> 32 seconds in. <laughs> okay. Hopefully she doesn't swear. I guess she's 13, so she's 13, not yeah. likely. No. She'd be like, crud. That's probably I'll the worst the, thing the she the says. I'll have the dumb button ready just in case, guys. Good idea. Thank yeah. you. Please.
2: Okay, YouTube video. Here we go. We're waiting. Yeah. She's got 15 more seconds.
3: Kind of sounds like cats. 7 a.m. Waking up in the morning. Gotta be fresh. Gotta go downstairs. Gotta have my bowl. Gotta have cereal. Seeing everything. The time is going. Chicken on and on. Everybody's rushing. we got to get to Friday. we got to get Friday. I'm pretty sure they having cereal, though.
2: Yeah. Strong. Kicking
9: in the front seat.
2: in the back
5: seat. Oh,
2: Randy. No. <laughs> I can feel it coming after sit in the front seat. Here we, Here we go. There you go. You heard it. That's enough. Okay. we cut that off. You do right have
3: to get down on Friday, though. It's a good message. It's a good message for the kids.
2: 101 ESPN congratulates the home loan expert, Ryan Kelly, on the launch of the nonprofit Keep Climbing Foundation and his Climb for Kids Radiothon. I'm going to head over to join Ryan tomorrow. Danny Mack is there this morning to help with fundraising efforts. Please consider supporting the Climb for Kids and help the Keep Climbing Foundation provide support and awareness for a variety of great causes. Get all the details on the climb for kids and how you can support it now at 101ESPN.com. Talk a little draft with Rick Venturi, the coach, next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
2: Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN, Michelle Smallman, Randy Carker and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our friend, former teammate, and heck, he's always a teammate, and now he's the analyst for Indianapolis Colts games on the radio, and uh, one of our favorite draft experts as well, the one and only Rick Venturi is with us on 101 ESPN. Coach, how are you doing this morning?
7: Oh, I'm really good, Randy. It's great to be on with my two all-time favorites. <laughs> Uh, you know you know how big a week this is for me. This is thirty nine drafts. if you can believe that back to the original uh original national combine draft of eighty two it 's kind of a funny story this week. My daughter, Mirren, who you guys know t- turned fifty on Monday, and when I called her, she said, "Dad." I've never gotten your full attention because I made the mistake of, getting, of being born during draft week.
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a great story, Coach, and it's so great to talk to you, but 39 drafts. So you've done this, obviously, for a long time. You, you dive into this. You evaluate these players better than anybody, and it seems like a quarterback that is really considered a generational talent, a sure thing, comes along once every few years, a Peyton Manning or an Andrew Luck type. Do you think that Trevor Lawrence is worthy of that designation?
7: He sure is tool wise and talent wise, and you know it, it looks like all you know all the four metrics that I look for uh, make him generational. Uh, but you know it, it's it's very difficult that position. Michelle is the most missed position uh, in the last 1st round quarterbacks. Only eight have had impact. I, I don't think there's any question on the tape. The type of kid he is, everything, the size, all that stuff—definitely generational. You know, maybe even a little bit better loose play uh, quarterback than Andrew was. But you know, the the toughest thing is. With guys like that, when you go to places like Jacksonville, you're, you're not going to be surrounded by Ferraris, and it's how you adapt to that, what's your mental framework. This kid, I don't think he's lost a regular season game in high school or college. So he's going to lose, like somebody said, he's going to lose more games in the first month than he has in six years. So, you know, psychologically it's going to be the issue for him to get through that early adversity.
2: Coach, as – People get ready for the draft and all the quarterbacks. I want to get your four metrics. When you judge a quarterback coming out of college, what are those four things you're talking about?
7: Well, you know, I think number one, and this is probably true of any position, I think it's a little bit tougher with quarterbacks because, you you know, like Kirk Warner, for instance, I mean, they missed on him. They missed on Brady. I mean, And the only way that you ever really knew these guys was when you really saw them play. You saw them in competition. You know, it's one thing. I mean, Blaine Gabbard, I was there. I remember, I mean, he completed 46 out of 47 throws in his workout. And I remember telling you, why wasn't it 47? Because it really doesn't correlate. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously the first thing that you're going to look at is you're going to look at game tape and production. Because I I do believe in all positions that if – if you're a producer at this level, that's what you're going to be in the pros, just unless you don't, you don't match up to number two, which is metrics. Okay, so, you know, I think metrics are really important. That's our form of analytics. That goes back to 82. I can compare a combine workout in 82 with a guy to there, put the metrics up there, and know exactly what it takes in those situations. At a quarterback position, you know, what I talked about, Wentz, when we got him, it's about accuracy, velocity, uh, you know, touch. Uh, can you throw off-platform? I mean, anybody can throw on-platform, and that's what a workout is. Can you throw off-platform? Then can you extend plays? And inevitably, nowadays, can you make first downs with your legs? So those things are really important. And then football intelligence is critical, and, and that's beyond the wonderlick. The wonderlick is a baseline intelligent thing, much like the ACT and SAT, but you have to dive into a guy to really know, can he connect the dots under fire? And then the final thing is that that, that intangible, that Belichick used to call it the six. Is he a 16 Sunday guy? Does he have the character? Is he going to stay clean? Is he going to grow? Does he love the game? You know, and, and all those things are so important. And then when you add the quarterback, I think he's got to be a guy that can own the room. He might have, he may do it in different ways. You know, there's different personalities. Montana was different than Marino. But in the end, that guy also has to have great leadership qualities. I mean, we got tons of mileage over a, a, with an over-the-hill Phillip Rivers, and I was ambivalent about that a year ago. But I guarantee you, he did it on great, Hmm. great leadership skills.
2: Hey, Coach, I wonder, when you talk about the production aspect of things, number one there, I wonder if teams get emboldened. As you know, it's a copycat league. You see a guy like Josh Allen, who was a a 56% passer in college against lesser competition playing for Wyoming. I wonder if teams are more inclined to overlook college production because a guy like that has turned into a good NFL quarterback.
7: Well, I think that's a really good question, Mark. And, 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 you know, that's that's on the table right now. I was skeptical about that because I've always thought that accuracy is the most important thing at the end of the day on Sunday. And I have seen very few guys like Jake Locker and some of these guys that were number one picks that ever really drastically improved that. Now, to the Buffalo Bills' credit, Okay, that guy improved 10 percentage points in one year. And I I thought that maybe not be possible. Now, what Allen brings to the table, and this, I think, is the new wave. The new wave is mobility. You've got to have mobility to win. Mobility erases problems up front. And then, number two, what it gives, because the game has evolved and changed, number two, when you particularly get in situations like red zone and short yardage, if you can run the zone reads, if you can run part of the Saturday game on Sunday, it's almost like adding a 12th guy. And that's why you see four out of the top five. And and to me, Mac Jones is fifth because of, because his lack of this. And, And I know some people think he's the best, but it's just, you know, it's what color Chevy do you like? But in the end of the day, that mobility now means so much more than it did, you know, when I was coaching in the league.
3: Coach, if we're looking at production, there's a lot of wide receivers in this year's crop of draftees that certainly had production at the college level. There's so much talent there, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, just to name a few. Which wide receiver are you the most confident in?
7: No, that's a really good question, and I think this is an ever-changing concept. One of the concepts that I talk about that's changing that is 221 Is the old wives' tale about receivers being a big risk? I think that's 215 and thinking that's 210. Uh, With the evolution, all you got to do is go to a high school game or any college level game, and what it is, it's receiver oriented. So you're getting guys out now that contribute fast, that come in and can play. And, and are game changers. And the guy told me one time, if you're picking high in the first round, take somebody that puts it in the end zone or somebody that knocks the quarterback down. Now, specifically on the question, um, my favorite player in the draft is Waddle. Okay, from Alabama, Jalen Waddle. He will not go first. Chase will go number one. He's the consensus pick. He totally blew out, uh, Michelle, his workout, uh, you know, ran into four threes, uh, you know, long jump, uh, high jumped off the charts. I mean, everything, and and his production is there. He's a great receiver outside, inside. Uh, I've never felt, though, that I saw as much separation as the workout shows in the games. But he's a great 50-50 guy. You throw it anywhere close, he's going to get it. You've got Waddle. You've got Smith. Smith is great getting on top. There's nobody gets on top of the defense uh, better than Smitty. Uh, you know, and so I, I think in that regard, you've got three blue chip guys. Again, the, my favorite player in the draft is Waddle, but I think he'll probably go third of that three. Now you have a tier that's just below that, that is just outstanding. I I think you have a minimum seven first round draft choice at wide out. I mean, this this is how I feel. That doesn't mean that they'll be drafted because a lot of people will say let's don't take the wideout on the first round. There's only one rusher, only one left tackle. Let's wait till the second and third round, and we'll get a good player. Uh, but the, the, guys that, uh, the guys that really uh, I like in that situation really are, are number one is the second guy, the second guy from uh, LSU, and that's Marshall. Now, there's a little shadow on him just lately about an injury, and, and of course, those things always pop up. But Marshall is also a guy that runs at that 4 4 8. My second favorite guy in the draft after Waddle is Kadarius Toney from mm-hmm. Florida. He's a 3 at 3 four three nine guy. I mean, you can't, you can't cover him. I mean, now, he plays a lot of slot, but he's outstanding. I love Elijah Moore uh, out of uh, Ole Miss. And then I think Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. I think those four guys are just below the line on the big three and will probably go on the first round. You know, then I, have, I even have a bunch of what I'd call Chesterfield All-Stars. I forget what I used to call them in St. Louis. But guys that I really like, like X-Ridge from Western Michigan, Terry from Florida State. I love the, the Stevenson kid out of Houston. I, I think he's Tariq Hill. And then I, I, I love Darden out of North Texas State. But, I mean, I could go on and on uh, again to answer the original question. Chase, I believe, is consensus number one, uh, you know, topped off by that great workout. If it was me, it would be Waddle. Hey, Coach,
2: one more thing. And, by the way, we as Mizzou fans know that Tony is uncoverable. So (laughs) that that was proven to us. (laughs) But uh, if you're sitting there, if you're the Jets, and it's not just Zach Wilson and the other quarterbacks. And granted, they traded Darnold already. But after Lawrence, you said you have Mac Jones at number five. Is Zach Wilson your number two, or do you have somebody else there? How, how, what's your order of the QBs?
7: <laughs> my order is going to probably shake it up there. Uh, you know, I, you got to go with Lawrence one. Uh, and, and this, my second pick is controversial. I go with Justin Fields, too. Okay, I like Justin Fields. Number two, I like Trey Lance. Number three, I'm a – you know, and, I, and people will say, what? You know, and I, Lance is a physical freak out of North Dakota State, and in deference to Mike Kern and those great guys in the Valley there in St. Louis, I'm, I'm giving Lance the edge at three. Then I'm going Wilson, and then I'm going uh, Mac Jones. And then not far behind, I think the, the sleeper. In the draft, that's going to be a low one. Somebody's going to get a gem. Might be somebody like Tampa, who has a luxury pick, and an older quarterback is Davis Mills out of Stanford. I really, really like him. I think he's a sleeper, humble opinion. I I don't know that he's that much different than Mac Jones. Mac, I really like Mac Jones, and Mac Jones might be Tom Brady too, but, man, he has played with nothing but Ferraris.
2: Yeah, he's, he, no doubt about it. Coach, it is so good to hear your voice, and uh, I know that I'm going to be tuned in and listening on Indianapolis Radio because I love what you do and the way you cover the draft. Looking forward to it, and
7: enjoy yourself. All right, guys. I will. Great being on with you, and uh, like I said, I'm, I'm just loving this week.
2: <laughs> we'll do it again soon. Thank you, sir. All right. That is our great friend, the coach, Rick Venturi on 101 ESPN.
3: He's the best. If you're not excited about the draft, listening to Coach no. Venturi break down prospects, how are you not pumped now?
2: No doubt about it. More draft coverage coming up. Former Ram Corey Chavis of DraftNasty.com talking draft with Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
2: When the Rams were in St. Louis and Corey Chavis played for the Rams, I always enjoyed talking football with him as a member of the media. And even Michelle Smallman, as he was still playing, Corey Chavis was a draft expert, even in his post-playing days. He's become one of the top draft experts, and he has DraftNasty.com. And joining us now on the Braun and Crouppen Celebrity Line in St. Louis with Michelle Smallman and Randy Carricker is Corey Chavis of DraftNasty.com. Good morning, Corey. How you doing?
8: I'm doing well. How are y'all doing this morning?
2: Everything's good. Is this your favorite time of year?
8: <laughs> well, I, I'm a I'm a big sports man. I think baseball is my favorite sport, uh, but uh, I, I will say that this is one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, but I, you know, it's actually uh, what's funny, man, is like I can't wait till I'm done with you know because this is kind of work for me, and then I'm I'm, I'm ready to get, go travel and and go to some baseball and basketball stadiums for the playoffs.
3: Okay, Corey. Now I need to ask: What's your team? What's your baseball team?
8: Oakland A's.
3: Oakland A's. Fun start for you.
8: Matt Chapman, Matt Olson. They, they, you know, I'm, I'm all in. They they do it every year. Hey, we we have you on <laughs> to
2: talk about the draft, and as a former DB. And by the way, we, were, we just had uh, Coach Venturi on with us uh, a few minutes ago talking about uh, the, the draft, and we didn't get a chance to ask about Kyle Pitts. As a, a former DB, especially, how do you look at this uh, receiver slash tight end out of Florida?
8: Well, I, I think he's, he's one of those guys that the dexterity in terms of his ability to be able to extend away from his uh, body, uh, you know, and, and do it almost in one motion and, and do it quite regularly. It's something that has really made him impressive, particularly when he's going against uh, man-to-man coverage and, and tight man coverage. And he can still burst and, and, and really has good ankle flexibility to be able to make one-step cuts into the middle of the field. So if you want to run some of those in-breaking routes, kind of like what you see with you know some of the better tight ends in the league right now, he, he can do all of those things. But I think the number one thing he really has improved on it uh, really is as a blocker I think that's something that doesn't get talked about as much you know he, he brought a lot more vinegar uh, to the table I thought this past season in that aspect and, and took his game to uh, an even uh, higher level um, in, in terms of that.
3: Corey it seems like the first two picks are written in Sharpie for this draft Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville Zach Wilson at number two but do you think that Zach Wilson is the right fit for the Jets?
8: I think he can be the right fit uh, for a number of different teams, just because he has a, a very, very diverse uh, skill set, uh, and, and, and part of that is just his ability to be able to process information. Uh, he's very quick twitched. I mean, he, he's a fast reactor. Now, what he's got to do is protect his body better. He's had injuries going all the way back to high school, and he plays with a little bit of a, a you know swashbuckler kind of mentality, which is which is which is good because you can, you have, you want guys to take chances in key moments. And you saw that in 2019, on the road against Tennessee, third and seven. They're backed up, 47 seconds to go in the game in the fourth quarter, and he throws a 64-yard pass to Micah Simon, and they go on to win that game in overtime. Uh, played well in some tough matchups a year ago. A lot of people talk about the 11-win season this season, uh, but protecting his body, will make him a good fit for anybody.
2: Corey Chavis, draft with us on one one ESPN. Corey, what about the other quarterbacks and uh, Justin Fields doesn't seem to be getting as much love from the, the quote unquote experts as he is from the fans. I want to get your take on Justin Fields specifically, but the other quarterbacks too. Is there anybody that stands out to you?
8: Well, I think he stands out and I, you know, it, it's tough this time of year for anybody to be an expert because you don't know what's going to happen. That's kind of what we see but with Justin Fields, the back-to-back Big Ten Player of the Year, that's not as much of, you know, everybody will say, well, why is he not getting more love? I, I think the one thing that you have to recognize in terms of the evaluators and what they're seeing on tape or video is that, you know, there's been some a slower decision-making process. We just talked about the reactions of uh, Zach Wilson, and that's probably the only reason why uh, I think uh, Justin Fields' stock may have Taking a hit from the experts, as you called them, and and I believe that as you look at what he can be, which I think is what you have to do with all the prospects in terms of the arm strength, the ability to be able to get out of so many sacks with that strong lower body, he's an outstanding uh, goal line type runner. Now, not as good as Trey Lance, who I think is the best out of all these quarterbacks as a run threat, and also who has maybe the best multi diverse skill from playing in a pro style and a spread type scheme. And, and then you have uh Mac Jones, who uh, I think is probably the most accurate of those top five beyond those two guys. Uh, there are a lot of interesting prospects. You got Davis mills, kind of a one year wonder injuries. Also a problem. As we mentioned too with Zach Wilson, he's got very good uh, ability to bounce back from mistakes. You saw that against UCLA. Kellen Mond was outstanding on third down this year, took his game to another level. Then you have kind of that blip on the radar, the LSU game, 11 out of 34. Kyle Trask kind of has gotten lost in the shuffle, 6'5", 236 pounds. But I think Trask, even though he doesn't have maybe the howitzer for an arm, he's very accurate throwing in between the numbers and really ran that offense at Florida with efficiency. So those are just some of the guys, but it is a deep class.
3: Corey, we were just talking about this last segment with Rick Venturi about just the talent at the wide receiver. By
8: the way, he's brilliant, Michelle, Rick Venturi, but go ahead. (laughs) He is the best.
3: He's the absolute best. But we were were talking to him about just the talent at wide receiver in this draft. He said that he likes Jalen Waddell the best. He doesn't think he's going to go first off the board, but that's his pick at wide receiver. Which wide receiver do you like the most?
8: Devonta Smith and and I guess that's kind of they're both on the same team. But to Rick's point, early in the year before Jalen Waddle got hurt, and I, and I think it's always interesting to kind of look at guys before they get injured. Uh, before he got hurt, he was actually the number one receiver. So maybe it would have been him, uh, to Rick's point, that would have gone on to win the Heisman because he had almost over over 500 yards in the first four games. Clearly, he and Mac Jones particularly if you look at that Missouri game, they had, that was who they were going to feature this year, which surprised me, actually, because when you had all these guys there in terms of Waddle was at your disposal, you had Judy at your disposal, Ruggs. It was Devonta Smith who actually had the most touchdown receptions. And also, he was the guy that, uh, talk about Lowe, went for with the national championship game on the line. As a true freshman, he was looking for Smith. So Smith has always kind of been that guy that's been overlooked. I don't expect him to be the number one receiver taken, probably Jamar Chase. But I think at the end of the day, and I've even talked to his AAU coaches and some of his, his people at the prep level, his competitiveness, and he has that dog in him, I think that that's what's going to enable him to be successful because he certainly doesn't look the part necessarily at 166 pounds.
2: Hey, Corey, not a lot of discussion about the defensive players in this draft, but I want to get a take on a Mizzou guy for you because I watched Nick Bolton play every single week, and he just gets to the football. He he's got a nose for the ball. What's your scouting report on Nick Bolton?
8: Well, it, the, the one thing about him that that you have to start with is his explosion as a blitzer. I think that's something that uh, you know kind of stands out on film because uh, he does a really good job of once he sees it. Uh, and, and then he hits the accelerator button, uh, he, he does an excellent job of being able to finish you know, potential sack opportunities. Also has been pretty good in coverage, uh, zone coverage. Uh, he's been able to overcome just a little bit of rigidness uh, with pretty good fast twitch in terms of the lower body, being able to uh, plant and drive. And then I was even talking to a, a defensive coordinator in the NFL yesterday, and he was talking about how, when you displaced him, and that means spread a team out into you know empty formations, and he was forced to make an adjustment that he could do those types of things better than the other linebackers in, in the class. Uh, so I think what you have with Nick really, I think what you have with them is that a lot of other linebackers may get more attention, but the coaches around the league in terms of the leadership, getting people lined up the ability to be able to come downhill and smack people uh, in between the uh, the inside run lanes, uh, I think that's going to do him favors in terms of on draft day uh, when coordinators have to pick a linebacker.
2: And who is the best defensive player? Of all the defensive guys, which one should come off the board first?
8: Well, I think Michael Parsons. Uh, he's big. He's fast. He's also got some of those same types of uh, instincts i think for linebackers it all comes down to eye speed uh and how quickly you can recognize uh and read the triangle between the guards the, the the quarterback and the running back and and how you diagnose and i think he does a decent job of that he's gotten better he can also give you some options as an outside linebacker they've stood him up outside uh in in a two point stance to rush against tackles from time to time in fact They've even put his hand in the dirt as a defensive end on occasion. And I think he's, he's played on the kickoff team. He's also been a guy that's walked out over the slot receiver. Uh, he's pretty much done everything uh, that you could do. Now, again, comparing him to Bolton, Bolton has much more on-ball production. But this guy's three, two 250 pounds, and I think he offers more, brings more to the table. Uh, and that's really just a spectacular player.
2: Corey, great information, and we love Draft Nasty Magazine. We love the the intelligence and the the scouting that you bring to the process. We thank you so much for taking some time. And after the weekend, enjoy the the baseball and the basketball.
8: Yeah, I can't wait, man. You, 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 you got to love it. I mean, it's it's, it's unbelievable, and uh, and what a town uh, this is for baseball. I've been to both World Series, the last two World Series that were here. Uh, I, I went to uh, quite a few of the games, so uh, incredible.
2: We love it, and we appreciate you coming on with us. We'll do it again sometime soon. Okay.
8: Thanks a lot. I really appreciate y'all having me. All right, thanks,
2: Corey. Corey Chavis joining us. Magazine dot com.
3: Great information.
2: He's fantastic, and uh, he always uh, he, he did such a great job of breaking down opponent offenses when we would go into the dress, to the locker room. And you knew then that because he would talk about college players, too. You knew that he was going to be great at this if he wanted to do it. And he is. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Last night, we saw one of the reasons that the Cardinals made the trade for Nolan Arenado. We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
5: <laughs> on for Harper. It's a fly ball. Left side, Arenado racing after it. Oh, he got it! Oh, what a play! Nolan Arenado with his back to the infield. The shift was there. Long way to go. Nolan being Nolan.
2: Danny Mack had the call last night on Valley Sports Midwest and Nolan Arenado, who has been spectacular already defensively for the Cardinals. We do see something every game or every other game But that's a big play there when you're able to get Bryce Harper because you never know what he's going to do. You win the game 5-2 with some late runs, but you're in a one-run game there, and Arenado makes that play. And if that one falls, heck, Harper could hit a home run on the next pitch. That's the value of having a guy like Nolan Arenado, with all due respect to the players that the Cardinals have had playing third base for the last decade. They haven't had anybody like this.
3: How many guys make that catch?
2: Right now in baseball, maybe he and Machado? Maybe. Maybe Matt Olson over in Oakland. But that's it. There there are many.
3: He's ridiculous, and it's. I was thinking how fun it must be for Dan to call moments like that. Oh yeah, and St. Louis loves defensive moments like that. But he's just such an asset for you any way that you want to look at it. And you're right, that moment in the game, he he really changed the tone with that play.
2: Yeah, and it, it was three one at that time. But the point is, Harper could have easily made it three right. two with a home run there. I said Matt Olson, Matt Chapman is. I get the Mats confused. It's Matt's okay. Chapman over at third. But we've talked. We talked with. And the Cardinals made the trade about the work that Arenado puts in. We, we talk about making that play. What third baseman thinks of getting to the ballpark early or getting to spring training early so that they can run with their back to home plate down the third base line and have people hit fungos so that they can catch the ball like that?
3: Probably the same guy that works out in a room that has YouTube videos of his favorite defensive plays or baseball plays playing around him all the time. He's just so intense and so obsessed with baseball
2: and he talked last night about the work that he puts into plays like that it's just working
7: on you know pop-up priority it starts in spring training um all those things and uh just all those little plays that you work on and they prepare us for just in case it happens and it happened today and uh definitely in the off season work on football passes kind of like that and uh running them down so for sure i mean We're all prepared. I mean, that's the great thing about the coaches here. They're making sure that we're prepared and uh, nothing goes unnoticed. What a brilliant way to
2: do it during the offseason. That's not coaching. That's want to. That's self-want to and being self-driven and catching football passes. That's what that play was.
3: Gosh, he he just says all the right things. He does all the right things, says all the right things. And for someone that is working that hard in the offseason and cares that much about their craft, I think there was a story, that you mentioned it before, that when he sits at the dinner table, he's got a bat in his hand. Yeah. This is just baseball all the time. It does seem like this is the perfect landing spot for him because so many guys on this team have that same mentality, that they're all in all the time.
2: And I wonder, Michelle, if as a pitching staff, these guys are starting to feel more and more comfortable that they don't have to. They, they don't have to mess around with nibbling. They can go after a hitter with the knowledge that if the batter gets the bat on the ball, the defense on the infield is going to make a play. You get to 0-2, you get to one two, and rather than trying to bury him with a slider in the dirt, you throw that slider in the zone and guy pops it up. Left-handed hitter Bryce Harper hits it down the third baseline, and Nolan's going to go make a catch. Somebody hits a rocket down the first baseline, Goldie's going to make a diving play. I would look at it like, okay, these guys are going to make a play. I have much more confidence pitching in the zone and pitching to contact.
3: Absolutely. Just another aspect of this. Nolan Arnauto is a star. He is a star. We have MLB Network that's on the TV in the studio here, and they showed that play over and over and over again. Then they did an entire montage of unbelievable plays that he made in Colorado, and they spent a good maybe five to ten minutes talking about Nolan Arenado and that's something that St. Louis has wanted for a long time is another star to the level of Albert Pujols and yes Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright are here and of course they're stars and Paul Goldschmidt has star-like play on the field but he's so unassuming he doesn't want to do the media mm-hmm. stuff he he's not somebody that you look at necessarily in that light even though the performance has been there Nolan Arenado is that guy for the Cardinals now
2: and you sure can and env- envision him by the way he had a couple- couple of doubles last night, too. We're, yeah, ta- that's right. we're talking about the great defense, but he had a couple of doubles. He's the kind of guy that you can envision at big moments in the postseason making plays.
3: Absolutely. Actually, looking forward to that.
2: I am, too. He's great. Uh, one, one other question for you, and I, I thought about this actually this morning during one of our breaks. You're Jeff Breidich today, oh, your second full day without a job, and you sit down and you're watching MLB Network, and you're watching what we're watching on Quick Pitch, and maybe A third of the show is about Nolan Arenado. What are you thinking?
3: That I can't believe I gave him away and offered to pay $50 million to do so. It's amazing. It's, but you know what? The owner had to sign off on that. Yeah, he did. Yes, of course it's going to fall on Jeff Breidich's shoulders because he's the one that made the deal.
2: And you also ticked him off. You also somehow ticked him off.
3: That's actually a great point. I still do. And Everything that we and yes, small sample size, everything that we've heard from him and the small interactions that we've had from him, whether interviewing him on the show or when I reached out to the Cardinals about the family who named their baby after Nolan, he said, sure, of course, I'll do a, a little video for them. I'm honored. He just seems like such a great guy. And I can't imagine if you're Jeff Breidich that you would want to have this cold war with him it just seems so unnecessary
2: what did you have to do to tick this guy off what did you do jeff <laughs> but also thank you exactly thank
3: you for upsetting him
2: <laughs> adam wainwright our wednesdays with waino segment next on 101 espn
0: we're right back to the Character and smallman podcast on 101 espn <laughs>
2: Cardinal right-hander Adam, w- Adam Wainwright with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN, Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker. Good morning, sir. How are you?
9: I'm doing great. How are y'all doing?
2: Everything's good. Okay, you heard that Antonio Brown is back with the Bucks, but they have Mike Evans and they have Chris Godwin, they have Gronk, they have Scotty Miller. So as a champion fantasy football player, is Antonio Brown a guy that intrigues you in the middle rounds when you get into your fantasy <laughs> football draft?
9: Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, there's so many weapons on that team. Uh, it's really kind of hard to lock in on one, isn't it? I mean, like Gronk, you know, he was going to be basically unstoppable in the, in the red zone. Once he got going last year, once he started filling out a little bit and getting back into football shape, but then you got Godwin, then you got Evans. So I don't know. I I like those big Receivers a little bit better, especially Mike Evans. I mean, nobody can really cover that guy. Um, and quite frankly, you never know what Antonio Brown's going to do. Exactly. So uh, I I, uh, I respect him as an athlete for sure. I mean, he's got great talent. He's incredible for a long time. There's just so many weapons on that team. You never know. Who's going to throw the ball to? Which is exactly why Tom Brady signed with the Buff.
3: <laughs> Absolutely, Adam. Brandy mentioned that you are a fantasy football champion. Are you locked into the draft? Are you getting your scouting for your team done now?
9: Yeah, I'll do some. I mean, especially since I'm a Jaguars fan. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to a new coach getting in there and hopefully drafting Trevor Lawrence. Um, big Trevor Lawrence fan. Big big Dabo Sweeney Clemson fan i mean I'm a, I'm a georgia bulldog at heart but i love Dabo. i love trevor lawrence what they were able to do over there at clemson so i don't know they they have they just you know what several years ago so I'll, I'll give you a brief run now what happened i grew up a falcons fan until about 95 when uh jacksonville got the jaguars and jacksonville is only an hour from my hometown atlanta is about five hours from my hometown so Occasionally me and my friends would go down to Alltel Stadium, catch a couple of Jaguars games, and back then they were really good. They had, you know, Keenan McCardell, Jimmy Smith, Fred Taylor. Um, they had Tony Bethel, who was the big offensive lineman and they had just a great team. They went to the NFC Championship game. It was just fun to watch them, you know, and they were so close. It made it fun. And then they had those dark years where it was just, you know, it was still kind of trying to crawl out of almost. They almost got out of the dark years and then they traded all their good players. Um, but they had those dark years and, and I came up here to St. Louis and I'm like, you know what, shoot, I'm going all in Rams. I'm going all in. I'm just, you know, I bought Rams gear. I'm going to start going to practices and games and next year they moved. <laughs> so just, you know, that's kind of how my, uh, my football watching experience has been as a fan. I'll, I'll go hard in on somebody and then, and then they'll they'll up and move. So I know there was lots of Rams fans that that's just bringing up bad thoughts about, but, uh, you know, I was one of those Rams fans that when they moved, it kind of broke my heart. Cause I was like, you know, finally, I'm going to have a team, you know, that, that I'm going to stick with, with. And so that's what I'm doing with the Jaguars. So I'm hoping that they draft Trevor Lawrence and get a couple of, get a couple of good linemen on the offensive side and defensive side to protect him. Um, but other than that, I mean, you got nothing if you don't have an offensive line. So, right. Hopefully, they get a couple of guys. I mean, they had, if you look at their team a couple years ago, their defense was stellar. It was the number one team in the entire NFL on the defensive side of the ball. Only thing that they had great offensive players, also only thing they needed was a quarterback and they went all in on their quarterback and gave everybody else up I just couldn't even believe it everybody in the world was like what is going on
3: well Adam we just appreciate that you're not still cheering for the Rams that's okay we're glad that you're a Jags fan we accept that um but we wanted to talk to you about the game last night you get the win five to two Carlos Martinez was great he goes seven and a third one earned run he gets his first win as a starter since 2018 and we want to know what are you seeing out of Carlos so far this season
9: well I mean he's he, and, and Nolan said it last night on the on the post game he has had some rotten luck I mean you know I, I think back to a couple of his games his last game against Philly he was cruising and then there was three outs in a row to start the second inning when he gave up like six runs all three outs if you asked our defense our defenders they should have been made all three of them. You know, we had two grounders in the infield and we had a fly ball into the outfield and none of them got caught and all of them went down as hits. And so, you know, as a pitcher, you know, it's not about just about ERA, but that really sets you back a little bit, you know, when he he could have had six up, six down and instead he's got an inning in the books and six runs across, and then we finally get the second, yeah, the second and third out of that inning. So, it was just a tough. It was a tough situation. But he's had he's had several games where he was right on the cusp of doing something great. His last game, he went six innings. He threw eighty pitches. He could have kept going for sure, um, but we had to hit for him. So, you know that's the that's the only tough thing that I don't that as a pitcher you don't appreciate in the National League is, gosh, there's probably fifteen maybe 20 innings sometimes that you're going to throw more if you're in the American league style game, but we, we, uh, we know that. And so, you know, it's just about keeping our pitch count to a level where the manager can't look out there. It's just, it's physically impossible to look out there and go, gosh, I got to get this guy out of the game. You know, that's what we're trying to do. And that's what he's been doing so well lately. He's challenging the strike zone. He's getting ahead of counts. Um, controlling those counts, getting in O two one two situations a lot more than, you know, those two, two, three, two counts. That's where you end up pitching four or five innings and uh getting lots of ducks on the pond. So he's doing a great job controlling those counts, controlling his emotions out there on the mound really well. He's competing. You can tell he's competing his tail off. Like the end of the game last night when he he threw a couple of close pitches that didn't get called. He was he was like, come on, baby, call that pitch. And then he was like, oh, so disappointed, which tells me he's into that game big time. And, and uh, when Carlos is into the game, he's really good.
2: We well, you know last nine starts for the Cardinals, last nine games, 59 innings, 11 earned runs allowed, a 1.68 ERA from you guys, uh, si- averaging about six and two-thirds per start. Can you – Describe to us the the inner competition among the five starters on the Cardinals. I know you do it. You've talked about this before, but is there a sense that okay, if uh, if KK did it last night, John Gant says I want to do it tonight. If Flaherty did it last night, Adam is saying I want to do it tonight. Does it work that way?
9: Oh yeah, and we all want to be the best. We always we all want to be the number one in those five. You know, and and uh, the 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 thing though is we're all also, at the same time, rooting for each other, big time. You know, I will look at Flaherty and say something like, "Hey, don't let me get a lead now. If I, if I get a lead with these strikeouts, I'm not letting it go." You know, and then him, "Oh, really? Oh, Okay. Oh, is that what it's going to be? Yeah, that's how it's going to be going into the uh, going into the season." I, I just, just I told him, "Hey, with these wins, I'm, I'm listen. I'm a winner. Don't let me get a win a lead in these wins because I'm not looking back." and he uh he didn't he's 4-0 and i'm 0-3 <laughs> <laughs> um he, he, i didn't know he was going to take all the runs with him when he pitched but um you know that's a that's very we have a a really healthy relationship between all five almost six guys now um where we all want to be number one, but we all want the other guys to be number one also.
2: I remember last spring, not this past one when we weren't there, but the spring before when you had told us about how at the All-Star break you started the contest for Strike One. Who could get the most Strike Ones? Are, are you guys doing something like that now? Because, boy, you guys as a group are sure getting a lot of first pitch strikes.
9: No, we're not doing anything like that. But what, what we are doing is realizing where. Our struggles came from and the beginning of the season when we had you know about two weeks in a row of tons of deep counts tons of one-o counts you know it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at it and go all right guys you need to step it up you need to change your whole situation because what we did in spring training really well we got ahead of batters we got uh, into good counts we got quick outs and we just flipped that right into the season and uh just did the exact opposite, so that's but you know baseball's a crazy funny game. I mean things usually come around when you when you have talent, things usually come around to where they're supposed to be, so um, we knew you know we were getting crushed in the media, which we should have been by the way, it's not like a you know it's not like we were all arguing no we we've been pitching way better, and that's not it's not the way it had it was. You know, we had a couple of innings where we had some bad luck, but other than that, we put ourselves into a lot of really bad spots. So, just part of being a competitor, part of being a professional, is being a good self evaluator. And what we did early, we needed to do better, and we've been doing that better lately. Well,
2: you know, I, I love the old school attitude that you have about complete games, and I, I started covering the, the team back in the 80s, and Danny Cox, who's as old school as old school gets, he he loved the complete game. John Tudor loved the complete game. I love the fact that it meant so much to you the other night, even though the team didn't win the game, but getting 27 outs is important
9: to you. Yeah, well, you know, one of my teammates earlier in the year said something that, that uh, kind of challenged me, didn't even know he did it. But he said, "You know, I remember a couple of years ago when when I was pitching. You know, you knew you had the night off if you were a, if you were on the bench as a bench player. You knew you weren't getting in, and if you were on the bench as a as a bullpen guy, you knew you weren't getting in. And I was like, man, I love hearing that, but at the same time, I hate hearing that that's not me anymore. You know, so." Um, it was a good challenge. He, he, the the guy I'm referencing right now doesn't even know he did anything to make me fired up, but he fired me up. So I appreciate it. And apparently I needed to beat that way. So, um, you know, I know I'm, I'm a little older fellow, but I also know that I still expect to be great. And I still expect to carry the team into deep innings, give my, myself and my team a, a great chance to win, even though I can't remember the last time I got to win. I know they said last night, Carlos hadn't won a game since 18. So he had me beat, but i I'll, I'll Lost, uh, I think I lost my last start in 19 and all the starts in spring training, I got no wins. And all the starts this year, I got no wins. You know, this year in spring training, I had like a one ERA, didn't get any wins. I'm like, come on, dude. So uh, it's, it's, uh, baseball is a funny game. You know, It will cycle back into where it's supposed to be, just like we talked about a minute ago. But it ebbs and flows and punches you in the gut, and you got to get back up and learn how to, to take that on the chin and keep rolling. So, you know, the baseball – there's just a way, like that. The, one of the reasons I'm still playing is because there's a competition level that I can't get anywhere else. You know, there's a there's that inner there's that inner competition going. How how good can I be? And then there's that that exterior competition where I look at our fan base and go, I want to bring a championship to this team to this city. So we still got that going. I've still got that going, and that's why I'm still playing.
3: Um, Adam, I saw these comments earlier in the week, and I couldn't wait to ask you about them. You're the first person I thought of when I saw this. I don't know if you saw the, the Dodgers-Padres series was just great, and Fernando Tatis Jr. hit a home run off of Trevor Bauer, and as he was circling the bases, he covered his eye. He, he rubbed it in just a little bit, and post game, Trevor Bauer said, if you give up a homer, a guy should celebrate it. It's hard to hit in the big leagues. I'm all for it, and I think it's important that the game moves in that direction and we stop throwing at people because they celebrated having some success on the field. And I really want to get your take on that. Do you agree with that? Do you disagree? What's your thought about players celebrating when they hit a home run?
9: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a professional way to do it. I mean, but you know, I've never, I've never been a look at a guy after he hits a ball off me kind of, kind of guy. I mean, I've had, I've had lots of teammates that, that that really chap their hide. You know, but uh, I, I'm always watching the ball. I never catch what they're doing unless they're standing there for a really long time. I'm all for guys having fun in the box, having fun playing baseball. I you know, if I'm, if I make a big strikeout, you've seen me do it over the years. If I make a big strikeout and a big situation, I'm going to give you, I'm going to get a little fist pump in there. You know, a guy hits a home run off me, he wants to drive a little fist pump. I'm okay with that. Now, if he's going to do cartwheels all around the stadium, you know, then we might have a problem, but I think there's good ways to, to have fun and, and go out there and celebrate. And, you know, you could do a little bat flip, whatever. It doesn't bother me. Not at all. Especially if, you know, if you're going to be a pitcher like Trevor, I think he would, he would, he would admit you know he likes celebrating the, <laughs> the things he does, too. So uh, if you're going to celebrate the things you do as a pitcher, you've got to be able to, to take it when the hitter does it also.
2: Adam, speaking of fun, that's one of the great things about Big League Impact is that in addition to being able to help out people that really need a lot of help, those of us that contribute to and help with Big League Impact, you make it fun for us.
9: Say that one more time. I'm sorry, you broke up. Yeah, so. no
2: problem. It's when people participate in Big League Impact, whether it's with the the All In campaign or whether it's the, the fantasy football. We were involved, of course, a couple of weeks ago in the karaoke contest. People that are involved with Big League Impact, they have a good time
9: too. Yeah, that's the key, man. You know that one of the things that that we when we first set out to create big league impact 2013 my brother and i what we wanted to do was create an experience that was unique um that that you couldn't just get anywhere that that was uh totally uh, kind of a one-of-a-kind experience i mean you know when you come and draft with us at the stadium and and have a fantasy draft and play with us all year throughout the fantasy season you know with your with the with the athletes in the room with you that that doesn't happen everywhere and you know, I love golf tournaments and, and galas. I didn't part of all of them. I led a, a golf tournament for eight years and a gala, you know, for, for all eight of those years also. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I love those things. They raise, they raise a lot of money, but I was tired of doing the same old things that everybody else did. And that's why we created big league impact to, to do unique experiences while we've had karaoke competitions over the years. And, and, uh, this year we're going to have a trivia night and all kinds of, all kinds of different stuff. So, we have fun with it and, and the key is if we're gonna go out there and raise money and hang out together, we might as well have fun together doing it. And that's why uh that's that was one of the biggest um reasons we did that back in the day.
2: And people can check out org, check out the hashtag all win and make a contribution and help the world like Adam is doing. Hey, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you so much. By the way, you think you'll play tonight?
9: Oh, I, I I've learned my lessons over the years. You know, you, uh, you always got to assume that you're going to play, but you know, the the funny thing about St. Louis is we get these big drops, these big Midwest drops that, (laughs) that, that feel like they're going to knock you out, you know, when, when, uh, when they hit you, those things, uh, those things seem to dissipate around Bush stadium for whatever reason. And when they don't, Especially when it gets really hot, the, those storm clouds will dissipate around that hot cement around the city. It says uh, that's what Billy tells me from the from the uh, grounds crew there at the bush Stadium. But um, I don't know. I, I think you know. I'm just convinced God's a Cardinal fan. He wants to see baseball and and uh, and hold oh, on, baby. I'm, I'm doing it <laughs> <laughs> now. Hi. Oh, okay. hi. hi.
7: This,
9: is my, this, this is my little Sadie bug right here. Hi, say Sadie.
3: Hi. Hi, Sadie.
9: <laughs> She's been tapping me the whole time. wanting to say hi. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you gotta be prepared to play and, and, uh, Hey, I wanted to want, comment one thing on the, uh, on the all win campaign that, um, we're doing, uh, through big league impact. We're going, uh, to help local St. Louis this year through crisis aid community outreach program. And, uh, we're trying to end hunger in St. Louis. So uh, if you want to check that out, it's crisis aids, community helping community program it helps churches uh re-engage, and also people in their community re-engage with their communities to go out and do great things and help feed people. It's person to person, neighbor to neighbor. Um, there's 19 community partners feeding 4,000 families a month, and the goal is to feed 10,000 families a month. So if you want to check that out, it's on the All Win campaign and on BigLeagueImpact.org. Uh, we'd love to have people join in with us. That'd be great.
2: We appreciate what you do, and we'll talk to you again next Wednesday. Thanks, Adam.
9: Oh, you want to say bye?
2: Bye, Nice. Bye, Sadie. Bye Have Sadie. a great day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is Wednesdays with Wayno on 101 ESPN. And Chick-fil-A is a proud sponsor of Wednesdays with Wayno. Don't forget that on Wednesday, today, you should stop by your local Chick-fil-A and enjoy an ice-cold Sunjoy. Chick-fil-A donating a portion of the proceeds of Sunjoy Wednesdays to support big league impact through the baseball regular season. Sunjoy the new name for their Arnold Palmer drink at Chick fil A.
3: Which Adam Wainwright is a big fan of. We asked him last week what his Chick fil A order was, and it includes a Sunjoy.
2: It sure does. Danny Mack is going to cross things over with us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman
0: podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
2: So this will be an abbreviated crossover with
5: Danny Mac. Get uh, ready shoot. for the Dan McLaughlin show
2: with, <laughs> with
5: uh, Brandon Kiley. You know, the, the less time you can spend on the air, the, the less that you can make mistakes. Oh, good point. So that's how you got to look at it. Okay, we asked this question of players. A- a-
2: Andy Van Slyke, when we would say, would you rather hit a game-winning home run or throw somebody out at home plate damage? Once you throw somebody out. Would Dan McLaughlin rather call a big home
5: run or a great defensive play? Mm. Good question. I'm a defense guy, so I might do defense. I don't know, though, man. Those walk-offs are pretty much fun. They are fun. They are fun. That play by Aronato last was night. Unbelievable. We, we see a lot of home runs. We don't see much of that.
2: He covered 95 feet. <laughs> He was running 27 miles an hour. I so, texted you, uh, when I ride my bike, I've got a cyclo-computer, and I rarely, and I do sometimes get 28, 29, 30
5: miles an hour, rarely get beyond 27 miles an hour on my bike. So put it on, in perspective, he basically ran the distance or the length of a, of a basketball court. Think of it that way. Wow. To Unreal. make that play. Great play! I mean, we were waiting for one of those signature moments with him defensively, and we got one last night. That there's nobody in the league. I don't think maybe Machado maybe makes that, was that play. That's what I said to Michelle. Yeah, I, you know the the Oakland third baseman's a good player. There's some shortstops that probably on a shift could run like that to maybe make that play. I don't. But third baseman, I, I don't. I don't think anybody else does.
3: And the thing that's crazy about that is that he practices stuff like that. He
5: does. He does all the time. I thought Jimmy Edmonds made a great point when um, it, we showed the play in slow motion. And he we were talking about it off the air. And I think he brought it up on the air. But he said, look at his eyes. He said he never once worried about the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, like you, you're going to feel it on your feet when you start to hit the track. But he said he never once Deviated from going to get that ball, and some if you just glance a little bit, you lose that split second and you lose maybe a half a step and you don't make that play. He needed every single step to be in step and he comes up with it. it was an unbelievable play. He was asked about that after the game, and he said, "I played here a lot, I knew where I was <laughs> well, I saw him. I told you guys I saw the I think the most ridiculous play by a third baseman I've seen at Bush Stadium of a non-Scott role in play was Arenado went down the left field line. And you know where the seats jet out Mm -hmm. to where the left fielder is, kind of that area where he stands and just kind of draw a line over? He made a play over the shoulder that far down the line one time. So he was playing back with with a shift and had to go all the way down there and went over his shoulder and made that catch. And I thought that's – that's unbelievable. Like, There's no one else that makes that play. Yeah, and we remember, you and I specifically, Terry Pendleton making that play in the World Series. I, I thought Terry Pendleton with the over-the-shoulder catch was the best I've ever seen. He made it look effortless. Yeah.
2: And another thing that Arenado said last night, he catches football passes during the offseason. So that's what leads to his ability to do what he did last night is running routes, running just a go route
5: and catching the football over his shoulder like that. Like Michelle said, though, he practices these weird, you know, what am I trying to say with his body? You know, I mean, he practices these things just in case it happens one time in a season and he's ready to make the play. It was awesome. And, you know, the Cardinals... The other thing last night is that their pitching, their starting pitching has just been fabulous here for Crazy the last good. you know week and a half or week or whatever it is. Um, I thought Martinez was great last night, which was huge to see him, especially when things could have gone awry after the the drop by Williams and he made an error. But he, to me, when you get that runner at third, you just concede the run. You say, mm-hmm. that guy's going to score. We've messed up. It is what it is. But he got back on track, and if you took – that air out of it, it would have been 15 in a row that he set down. So, he was really good last night. Um, and the other thing is, if they're not going to hit a home run, they need some type of slug. And they got four doubles last night, and they came in 26 in the league in doubles. Yeah. So, you know, and the big guys hadn't really been doing much lately. Arenado and Goldie at the plate, and those guys did, and you win the game. You'll be with us tomorrow morning. There are more important things. I to I will talk not be about. with you tomorrow. Oh, you're not? No, because no. it's an early game. Oh, that's right. So I'll be with BK though. Okay. So good. Yeah. All right. We can handle that. Yeah. Okay. So at some point, though, we need to talk about the fact that Us Weekly reporting
2: exclusively that A-Rod's going to do everything he can to win J-Lo back.
5: Is that right? Everything he can. No kidding. Have they reconciled at all? They had dinner last week. Oh, okay.
7: At or the was, place where they, they had, had to the be first out on the date. West Coast, I assume. Yeah.
5: Yeah, he flew out to L.A. Oh,
2: just okay. to see her. Beverly yeah. Hills, I believe. Yeah. Nice. So,
5: is that adorable? Not yet. Oh. Okay. You got to wait. Oh. We're working on I'm it. I'm just... I'm bated breath (laughs) just (laughs) waiting for that great reconciliation and when it happens it'll be off the adorable (laughs) my my goodness my goodness oh yeah jimmy baseball coming up yep jim edmonds uh booked him on the show during the game last night good job yeah we were talking about uh bk a question that he asked tommy edmond i brought it up and i said hey by the way will you do the show tomorrow he said, yeah, sure. Okay, so <laughs> he's booked. <perfect>. 10-15. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, thank you. All right, thanks, guys.
2: Danny Mac coming up. Great job today by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you. Michelle, this was fun.
3: It was, Randy. See you tomorrow.
2: A happy hump day, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, texting, and being a part of the show for all of us. till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise.
1: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard.